Hello, you are listening to the Batfans podcast brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Enjoy the show. I was just wondering why you went with Sherlock Holmes and not an American detective. <laughs> Columbo? Because there's so many notable American detectives. Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> Batman. Oh, Sherlock is the original. How about, how about Steve McGarrett, right, right Dan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. The guy's a... <laughs> oh man! MacGyver could kick Sherlock Holmes' ass any day. I'm sorry. All, all he needs, all he needs, is a toothpick, a rubber band, and um, you know, a pencil and a mullet. <laughs> the most important thing. And a mullet. The most important thing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Batfans podcast presented by the Batman Universe. I'm your host, Gary, and I've got my trusty co-hosts, Dane and Tim, with me, as well as our other co-host who has been missing the first two episodes, PJ. Uh, how's it going, guys? Doing good. Excited we got the full crew for this episode. Yeah, right. Hello there. <laughs> <Holy> old England. <laughs> Manchester, England, England. Manchester. Oh, that's the wrong thing. I know. I just I feel like seeing it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm here to bring some uh, continental edge to the podcast. <laughs> We're now a global podcast, guys. <laughs> Dane, do you like Batman? No, not today. Maybe <laughs> tomorrow or the next day, but not right now. Maybe once Night of Owls is over. All right, so um, I guess since we kind of did it the first episode, uh, PJ, how did you Hello. get into Batman and everything? What's your connection? Um, well, um, I sort of was very much born into it by uh, meaning that I was born the year Batman 89 came out. <laughs> um, so I was born into the global cult megastorm of Batman fandom that was going on. Uh, so as a, as a kid growing up, I mean, that was, that was such a temple movie, and, you know, in, in, in history, that there was only really one superhero of that era and it was Batman. So then I've got a childhood of, the animated series and, and the subsequent films, which, you know, for all their critics and all the right uh, bashing at the Joe Schumacher stuff, when you were a kid, you know, when I was 10 years old watching Batman and Robin, it, it worked for me on, on as, as a child. <laughs> so, you know, it may have turned a lot of people off Batman, but at the time it was, it was really only kind of, you know, furthering uh, my love for the character. This is um, good for something, then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, have, have you rewatched it any time remotely recently? Uh, oh yeah, I, and I hate it now completely. Yeah. But I, but I, I enjoy <laughs> it for, you know, I enjoy it as it. It still holds a place in your heart, kind of. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I think it's there is that sort of old saying that if we didn't have Batman and Robin, we'd have never got Batman Begins, and so I, I kind of, I, I hold on to that as. as <laughs> it's true. Possibly tearing my eyes out every time I have to look at the bat nipples. <laughs> but, um, so I suppose, yeah, that was, it all started with the movies for me because, I mean, 
I, obviously, I now know it's not uh, too completely dead a presence in this country, but comics, you know, it doesn't, it hasn't translated in terms of the industry as well as it might do in America. You know, it's not comic shops don't exist as readily, so it's certainly not something you can start reading, uh, you know, as a child here, really, unless someone is sort of getting you into it or supplying you. <laughs> which makes it sound like a horrible drug. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so then it was, it was literally Batman Begins 2005, which really kind of opened my eyes to what more kind of, well, you know, the, the, the better world that was out there um, in terms of the, the, just the intelligence of the character and all that. And um, the, one of the first comics I actually bought was the movie tie-in comic of Batman Begins, which uh, what you wouldn't think is a great place to start. They actually piled a ton of like bonus content into that, all the stories that uh, Chris Nolan had used as inspiration. So that was where I that was where I got my real first indication that there was this whole world about this character I really liked that you know that was outside of the movies. I don't think I've ever seen that. yeah, really cool addition because it had the the man who falls in, which is that little one shot, which is like the only previous indication as to what Bruce did on his um, like on his training, and it's got two card and stuff in. And it was really good, and so that that opened my eyes. From there, I um, basically you know started to work out you know what comics to read and stuff, um, and wound up getting Hush. Uh, which was in trade paperback at that time, and have have steadily built up a collection since then. And it was really only with the kind of the new Fifty Two kicking off in September that I was finally financially and digitally able to to jump on as you know as a proper month to month comic book reader. Which so I suppose I do represent that uh, category of fans that DC were hoping would you know kind of jump on board with them with the new Fifty Two, which um thoroughly enjoying and you know i'm really sort of glad that that came about when it did yeah yeah. um yeah so that's that's my bringing up with batman um outside of just being a complete comic book nerd (laughs) i work in theater and was very fortunate to be an assistant designer on the Batman Live World Arena Tour, which has, you know, done its European leg now, and I believe is swinging across the pond to you guys sometime in September. Yeah. Yep. Took it long enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I believe they had to they had to kind of go dark while you know there's a there's another small Batman project that's happening this summer. It's, it, I think it's called The Dark Knight Rises. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but there was a <laughs> Your Batman Live just wanted to take a step back and and let someone else have a go at <laughs> you know doing. Yeah, Batman but that other thing. project's so small that yeah. Live doesn't have to worry about it. Cause, <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, it's good that they're doing that because otherwise this this little project wouldn't have a chance. You know, like it's a little indie picture; no one's ever going to see it. So I mean, if Batman Live was going on at the same time, it would just no one would want, no one would care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How could we say that without laughing? Right. <laughs> we, we, we tried. I worked on it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. What did you uh, What did you do with the Batman Life thing? I mean, I know, but 
Um, yeah, no, uh, my, um, I think the, the title that I'm credited with, if you look in the program, if, if we have any European, uh, listeners who, who have been fortunate enough to go see the show, um, I'm right at the back of the program. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> assistant designer. And so I was the assistant to the husband and wife design team of Ez Devlin, who was the set designer, and her husband, uh, Jack Galloway, who was the costume designer. So I did a bit of work with Ez on kind of helping her get reference pictures and materials and stuff. And, you know, um, because the show opens with like a, it's kind of like a, a half-sized model of Gotham City. Really, really mm-hmm. cool to, to step into and look at. And so it was just a case of, you know, what, what buildings would fans such as myself kind of want to see in that. So, you know, you've got the Iceberg Lounge, you've got... Uh, the police headquarters, the museum, uh, and then the sort of important one being the Monarch Theatre, which sort of ties into the opening of the show. Uh, so, you know, I was doing stuff like that with her, really kind of helping her to work out what needed to be included in terms of, you know, what would be in Gotham. And then, because Haley's Circus features quite prominently in the show, uh, you know, just sort of referencing that and, and, and what the look and feel of that might be, and then moving into Arkham Asylum and somewhere like that. Um, I then got to do a lot more kind of hands-on work uh, in my work with Jack, who's fantastic um, costume designer guy. Really fun to work with. Um, treasured every minute, uh, really, and can't thank him enough for giving me the opportunity in the first place. But um, so again, it was kind of it was you know giving him as much reference as possible for for the characters that he had to you know provide for. Um, but then. When it sort of went further than that, you know, there was actually an opportunity for me to to work on um, the designs for um, specific characters, uh, which included uh, the Robin costume, uh, which was really cool. That's the one I, I got to do the most for. I, I did little bits of um, a Batman costume because um, it it really probably won't translate over to you guys because they're all set up and running now. But in the development period for the show over here. There were there were a couple of variations of the costumes. Well, because hmm. I mean the the turnarounds from starting the show to getting it up and running and press releases and all that, it was very tight and it was so quick that you know we were pretty much Jack was finishing his first idea for the Batman outfit and it had to be released to the press sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so you know they were sort of photographing it as it came off the production. Rack. And then, you know, for various different reasons, not, you know, there were comments made about it and stuff, but uh, more practical reasons as the actors wearing it and stuff, uh, redesigns were considered. And, that, and you know, because it was actually, so it was after the press release that we actually got to sit down and do the proper work of making the costume that was going to gonna work for the show. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic kind of piece of kit because more, I'd say more so than the, you know, the movie suits that you get. Mm-hmm. this costume, you know, really has to put in a shift of, of what it can do because there's no, you know, you can't stop and, and brush it down. It, it has to yeah. survive for that whole show and it has to, you know, he has to have his harness in there that's going to rig him and, you know, pull him up into into the ceiling and stuff when he's using the, the grappling gun and kind of stretching the cape out of his wings and stuff. So all of that has to be in there and it has to be comfortable for him to then do all the fight choreography and, and the stunts and stuff. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just so much fun to work on, on, from, from both points of view of, you know, creating that, um, that comic book look. Cause the, the show, it very much sets itself in a, in a Jim Lee Batman animated series kind of 
kind of world more so than the the, the gritty realism of, of Nolan's universe. Yeah. Which I, I think you know the, there will be some detractors who who don't like that kind of approach. It, the comparisons to Joe Schumacher were made, but I think that's a little bit unfair because um, it's you know it's sort of not embracing the fact that Batman has this rich comic book history and is a comic book character, and you can you can give it that sort of you know pay tribute to that comic book look that it has um, without you know I think Joe Schumacher that was that was a different that what I wouldn't call that comic book. I'd call that something else. You know, that was very much his own style at the time. Yeah. Of kind of neon, <laughs> Putting it nicely. <laughs> yeah, neon kind of fetish, sort of, you know, that was, that was what he he went down with. Whereas yeah. we were, you know, we were going for, for the comic book look. So it's certainly brighter and more colourful than you'd see in the real world sort of thing. Um, you know, the, the bat suit has that kind of grey sheen. But it's also, you know, it's, it's an arena show. You've got, you've got, close to 16,000 people sat around watching it, you know, and people are going to be so far away that if, if the bat suit's completely black, who's, who's actually going to see the guy that's almost 20 feet away from them on stage? You know, it it would really lose its edge if it didn't kind of have, if it wasn't lit up a little bit. Um, Yeah. So it was, it was an absolute really fun ride. Uh, to be a part of, um, I, I got to see the show more than any sane human being should see the show, but I enjoyed everything, <laughs> every single one. And uh, you know, it'll always have a place in my heart. And um, I, you know, there was some really great feedback um, from people when when it came out over here. Um, so yeah, I I kind of hope that you know it, it it gets ahead of steam when it comes to you guys and 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 people enjoy it for what it's worth because it will be it'll be coming off the back of you know, what could possibly be the greatest adaption of Batman ever in, in The Dark Knight Rises. But I think the best, for the best reasons, it's not something that's going to try and recreate that, because you shouldn't. You should leave that as yeah. what it is. Right. And so, you know, after a, what could be a really gloomy summer, in, in the best possible way for a lot of Batman fans, then, you know, there will be something that's ready to reintroduce you know it will be the first thing for you guys that reintroduces it post nolan um which perhaps puts a lot more pressure on it than than it sort of had when it was over here um but i think it'll be good because it will you know it'll ease people back into the idea that you can keep adapting the batman character right. you know you can you can keep changing that and without kind of you know without um changing it too much that it, you know, becomes something different. Because, you know, it, it is a Batman show in, in every sense of the word, but it's it's a different Batman show. Um, and, you know, Warner Brothers and, and, and the, the film guys, they're going to have to, eventually, they're going to have to think of a new idea and yeah. come up with something new. So, um, it, you know, it'll be so, the first... So, what would be your reaction if it comes out in America and all the American critics just trash it? Um, <laughs> well, uh, you know, you can't... Would you blame the American production team? <laughs> yeah, you're all your dad's fault. You didn't do it right. <laughs> if you would have paid PJ to come over and look over everything, it would have been much better. <laughs> um, I, I think that the reaction is, you know, it's going to depend on the reaction to, to the Nolan one. I, w- I would hope that people would give it a fair shot, you know, and not judge it before they've seen it or judge it based on it not being the Nolan yeah. brand of Batman. 
Because the word, you know, I, I mean, it didn't, it didn't please everyone over here. So I've seen it's had its fair share of criticism. But you know, a lot of the criticism I did stem from it not being that version. And you know, I don't think that's that's kind of, you know, I don't take that too seriously as criticism, really, because I think people have missed the point as to as to what the show was was going to be. Um, so you know, you can. You can only hope that it will find its audience, which might be a different audience, because, you know, I I would almost say that, you know, a 10 year old is probably going to love this version of Batman that they can see and they can, you know, almost touch because they're in the same, you know, they are seeing a living, breathing Batman. That was always the great part of the the show was, you know, it, it didn't we didn't have any sort of famous English actors or, or, or anything, you know, that, that were big names. Like, you know, like your Christian Bale playing Batman sort of thing, which I think was even better because they could just lose themselves in the characters and, and that would be how they would be presented. You know, for, to, to a 10-year-old watching that show, they're just seeing the actual Batman. Are uh, those actors going over to do the show here? Uh, that I don't know. Um, uh, from what I know of, of the way the industry works and the way you guys work um, with, you know, foreign people coming over and trying to steal all your damn jobs. <laughs> um, I wouldn't, I, I don't know either way. I, you know, I won't know until, until they do the first show and I can go, oh, I know all those people, I know their names. But, um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't know what the decision, because, you know, they've, they've got a bit of a arrest period now. Yeah. Um, while they while they get everything ready. All right. Um. So. Uh. Yeah, guys. I guess there's not a whole lot really to talk about in the last few weeks. Um. But, I mean, the solicitations came out. Um. Like, I don't know. The, the one thing that really sticks out to me is the uh, the Batman Inc. cover, <laughs> which I haven't caught up on Batman Inc. yet, so I don't really even know who these people are. But. Wingman just looks weird to me. With those shoulder things and I think he's meant to though. In a in a, you know, Grant Morrison doing what Grant Morrison does when he's doing <laughs> Grant Morrison. <laughs> I don't know when I first saw the image I thought it was Knight and Squire just looking different. <laughs> yeah. So it's a relaunch and everything, but yeah, like and, and I see, I never I heard see of design him. elements of Asriel in it too. The well, yeah, one. you know, with the, this, the helmet and the the neck part there. The, I don't yeah. call that the collar. I guess it kind of reminded me of a little Judge Dread too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the but the big thing of it is is that we we don't know who Wingman is. As well, like, a, I didn't know not, if maybe he had been introduced in the previous. No, because yeah. he um, in in Morrison's story, mm-hmm. um, Wingman died in the um, the Black Glove oh. series. And then was reintroduced as a character in Batman Inc. But you never saw who it was under the mask. You just saw Bruce giving them the mask and saying that it was a chance for them to redeem themselves. Oh. Um, and, and so yeah, the, the big buzz and the big inclination given the, cause that is a, that was a redesign to Wingman when he was reintroduced in the Black Glove because it's another one of, those obscure characters Morrison plucked from history mm-hmm. um, is that it it could be um, John Paul Valley because of how Azrael the, the the new the new man now I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs>
They got um, my interest. Then, they got my interest. Yeah. <laughs> and then Redford, his little psychic there um, in frame, is, for, as far as I'm aware, is a completely... It's certainly a new addition to Morrison's story, whether that's a character, you know, again, from the annals of history that he's going to rework in his Morrison reworky kind of way. <laughs> um, yeah. Notice how I um, excuse everything Grant Morrison does as him just being Grant Morrison. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, you know that that is a new character. Um, so there's, you know, that's obviously a child. Um, so who are they? Where do they fit in? Is it another Damien clone? Is it Stephanie <laughs> Brown? Is it, you know, <laughs> who is it? Um, that's right. So I forgot yeah. about those Damien clones too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so regardless of how weird the cover looks the the implications and the questions it raises that you know have got me sold um, on it and I, I can't really wait for that to kick off because it, you know it's unfortunate that he kind of did get cut off at the knees with his big six year story in that they you know rebooted the universe <laughs> before he could finish it so I, I am kind of at the point where I do I kind of just want it to be over um, because I I still have this feeling that it should have been over before the new Fifty Two, or they should have allowed themselves to continue it in pre New Fifty Two, but but they haven't. So you know, there's, there's even more questions there: is how is he going to spin his story post Flashpoint? Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, do you guys think now? I mean, I know it's kind of hard to say because it hasn't started yet, but. Do you think it's worth it for me to go back and read the original Batman Incorporated series? Or do why you haven't think you it read it? <laughs> yeah. Because it's just, you know, I never got into it, and then I was like, well, why bother starting now? Because I have to start from the beginning. Like, I can't just jump That's into true. it, you know? Um, I would say, if you're going to get back into it now, just read the uh, the giant size of the Bison Strikes book mm-hmm. that came out a few months ago. Because it did kind of have a recap section at the end that kind of caught no, you. Like, what's I'd read the whole thing. How many issues were there before it we, got you rebooted? Can get it, you can get it complete. The trade, the Batman Inc. trade is everything you need. Okay. It includes Leviathan Strikes. Okay. Because that's what I did. I guess I that's what I'll do then. <laughs> yeah. Because um, there were some yeah. issues that I felt uh, were just kind of a little too... As PJ would say, Grant Morrison. <laughs> yeah, but, but which which only means that he's gone, you know, he's put a skull with a cat on it in the corner or something that's <laughs> going to be really important in a couple of issues' time, and you don't want to... Yeah. Like, I mean, I do like the concept, though. I mean, I always did think it was an interesting idea, and I kind of wanted to see it, but I just never... I, I feel like I kind of missed my chance to jump onto it, so I just skipped it instead of going back and I, reading well, it. Well, yeah. I think then either continue skipping it because it's only <laughs> it's only going to confuse you know um, it's going to be confusing as it is trying to mash it into the new fifty two yeah um, without without the usual Grant Morrison confusion that it would have been if it, <laughs> without continuity <laughs> errors yeah that's true yeah, I mean the, the the other thing I wanted to say um looking at the solicits again the the Batman twelve cover intrigues me. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know. Post uh, Court of Owls story, too, so. Or yeah. It's the epilogue of it, but. Like, it seems interesting to me, but I also feel like it's probably misleading. Like, I get the idea, it's like almost Batman and Tron from that picture. Um, but. You know. I may have a little bit of insider information on this oh, yeah? one. Um, from my. I 
getting to meet Mr. Snyder today. Ooh. Um, which, which, yeah, for anyone who's just going, what? Are you not <laughs> um, sure? <laughs> being, being British, I was at, I was at Capalcom today and uh, had the great pleasure of meeting Batman writer Scott Snyder. Uh, yeah, no, but it's something he's talked about on his Twitter page okay. as well. Um, the As far as I'm aware, Batman 12 is the kind of origin introduction story to Harper Row, who, if you've been reading the, uh, the the Batman ongoing, you'll know is the kind of punk rock chick who uh, brings Batman kind of back to life after okay. he escapes from the Cut of Owl's Maze. Mm-hmm. So with, with this issue being her origin and sort of explaining where she fits into Batman's world, for me, the, you know, the, the cover is just quite a really beautiful image um, of the whole she restarted Batman. Oh, okay, that makes sense. The, you know, um, she, well, she got a car battery and some jumper cables and then literally just jumped, jumped <laughs> in the back of her van, which, I mean, you know, she's a coach player's wet dream waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that makes a lot more sense, but it's also kind of disappointing to me because I was kind of hoping for digital Batman adventures. Uh, kind of, there was a little bit of that in Batman Incorporated, though. Oh, was yeah. it? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, another reason. But yeah, oh, totally jump on Batman Inc. if you want digital Batman adventures. <laughs> Alright. Well, I guess I'll have to do that then. <laughs> now, this may um, come as a surprise, but uh, the one that actually caught my interest the most was uh, for Dark Knight number 12. Mainly just because I'm a big Scarecrow. I, I hate that cover. I know you said that too when uh, Scarecrow made his appearance. Yeah, I, I, like I, his I do not like his. I, I do not like his um, his Scarecrow. It's just the head. I mean, it's it's so awkward. I think it's him, I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I'd say about that cover, it's just a little bit phallic. Do you not think? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, Engorged capsule pointed at the, at the reader is, you know. Yeah, just a little, little bit. Uh, I'm very excited for that story, though. Yeah, to me too. Just for the fact that uh, Greg Horowitz is taking over and not yeah, exactly. David Finch. Don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. And I'm Too hoping high. it's just not the curse of the Dark Knight title <laughs> where everything associated with it is going to be bad. The fact that Greg Horowitz is on it and this featuring the Scarecrow has me excited, who's my second favorite Batman villain, so. <laughs> Even though I shouldn't, my hopes are kind of high for it. I'm interested to see that um, Whiplash from the Iron Man movies will be making an appearance in Batman and Robin 12. Um, he won't, <laughs> but he is essentially on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. All he needs is those whips. But... Yeah, and Mickey Rourke's tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yeah. And then we, we get a little bit of girl on girl action. Going on the the Batgirl Batwoman. Yeah, that's, that's a nice looking little cover there. That's a great art. Yeah, it really is. Very Batwoman helpful. cover is just amazing. I yeah, I can't find the words to describe it. But um, finally, J. H. Williams is back on interior art, and he's back doing covers too. So I'm, I'm excited for that. No, Batwoman always has these like trippy, weird covers <laughs> to her issues. Yeah, I mean she. Th- there's uh, Bloody Mary th- vomiting blood and um, serpents. <laughs> yeah, it was serpents and Batwoman is caught in the serpents and stuff. And then it's Wonder Woman on the bottom. Yeah, Wonder Woman for some reason. <laughs> it's weird. 
And his his ability to just incorporate so many different elements into, you know, a combined image um, is is yeah, it's just like you said, all of that is going on, and the, just the way everything works together for, for the, yeah, there's one image I think so yeah, it's just fantastic. But I don't need to tell you how good J H Williams is, <laughs> or if I do, he's really good. So <laughs> check him out. <laughs> Wait. I'm just looking a little bit. The Batwing 12 cover is OMAC in Justice League uh, International now? Like, is that how they kept his character around or something? Maybe. Apparently, I haven't read Justice League International in a few issues. Which I heard is being canned. Is it? Justice yeah. League International, really? I, I heard with the next... Um, I, I can't remember where I read that. But um, with the next, you know, the, the second wave, whenever the third wave <laughs> arrives... Uh, apparently, just this league international is up to the shop. Do you remember if there was anything else on the list or? Nothing, um, that, you know, meant anything to me. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, or, or at least nothing that made me go, oh, they're getting rid of that. Are they just, just this league international was possibly the biggest casualty? Hmm. I've kind of lost track of what the 52 are at the men. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's 52 of them. <laughs> That's pretty much all we know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, I would ask you, Tim, or Tim. Yes. <laughs> um, the Red Hood and the Outlaws 12 cover, does that kind of appeal to what I know is your sci-fi <laughs> sensibilities? Because, you know, I, I think it's really nice as that kind of classic yeah. 70s, 80s sci-fi movie poster. Admittedly, it's about Red Hood, <laughs> who, you know, who, who'd have thought he'd be the next Han Solo, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, as a, as a sci-fi poster, just, you know, random, I think that's really cool. Yeah, it did catch my eyes like that, like you said, like an old sci-fi poster that has, like, you got the two main characters in the front, the main hero and the girl that he's trying to protect, it looks like, then you got the side right. characters, like, just not their full body, but just their head on the side, so it did give me that kind of little Star Wars posters feel to it. And Red Hood and the Outlaws would have actually been a perfect sci-fi movie title for the 70s and the 80s. <laughs> yeah, you're right. done it in that kind of chrome font with, with the, you know, looking like it's <laughs> zooming towards the camera. <laughs> yeah. An echoey yeah. voice announcing it. <laughs> I just, I still doubt the series is going to be any good, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's now in space, so <laughs> what can go on? Space. <laughs> space that's, always makes that's, things that's better. things. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, like pussycat dolls in space. <laughs> like, who really cares? <laughs> All right. Um. Uh, a little thing that caught my eye. Uh, the the Harley Quinn. DLC has really been announced. I still haven't played Arkham City yet, but it does look really cool. <laughs> well, don't play that first and then play. <laughs> no, I, I won't. I won't. <laughs> no. But yeah, it's cool. They finally, I guess we know what it's about because before we just got teases of there's some new DLC coming that involves Harley Quinn. Yeah. And so what's the actual, like, is there a story to it or is it just... I believe, of, yeah, I believe it adds two hours yeah, of it's, it's game. Two hours to the main campaign, which is cool because with the first Arkham game. It's always just been, you know, uh, challenge map rooms and that sort of oh, thing. Oh, so they're actually adding yeah, yeah. gameplay. And That's the cool really thing cool. about it is that uh, you're going to be playing as both Batman and Robin this time, because mm-hmm. it's where Batman has to go back into Arkham City to deal with Harley Quinn, and he gets 
he goes missing for like two days. So then Robin goes in to investigate. So you're Robin. And then as you're searching around the different areas, you'll find these clues that kind of gives you hints as to what happens to Batman. And as you see those clues, then you'll go into playing as Batman, kind oh, of showing that is you what really happened. That's really cool. Yeah. That's a really cool idea. They realized that more people played with Robin on the challenge maps than they did with Catwoman. So <laughs> they were like, oh. No surprise there. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping yeah. it maybe be both Robin and Nightwing, but <laughs> I guess that's asking for a little too much right now. I, I'm yeah, I'm quite happy they didn't because I, having done a lot of the challenge maps now, I'm, I'm not completely convinced by Rocksteady's version of Nightwing. Um, I like compared to their version of Robin. Um, yeah, I'm kind of the opposite. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I prefer their Nightwing more to their Robin. Oh, that's really interesting because, I, I mean, maybe it's just me as a gamer. I tend to, I, I work a lot better with the Robin character and his moveset which to me seems to be a much more powerful, stronger moveset. And and I don't know, Nightwing to me feels a bit stiff, a bit like an afterthought of, oh, well, let's just create another character and kind of throw something together really quickly and give him some sticks. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I can never quite get that. You, Tim will know what I'm talking about here more than you guys, so I apologize, but hopefully people listening will play the game. Um that rhythm that you kind of need to develop when you do the uh, the big fights yeah. in, in the challenge. Yeah, especially the challenge rhythm. <laughs> yeah, I can never get the rhythm with with Nightwing. He always seems to kind of, you know, when, instead of one move to one move, he always kind of wants to add something in that feels clunkier than I think Dick Grayson should be, you know, who I think should be hopping from the rafters just, you know, flying around, kicking everyone. Do you agree with that, Tim? Or? No, I haven't actually had too much trouble as far as the PJs and as far as his building as clunky, but just I think in overall these challenge rooms are seem a lot more harder than they were in the first Arkham Asylum game. Well, that's where sad, I had to, the first one was yeah, too hard for me. It took me ever, I beat all the ones in the first game, but for this one I haven't yet, not even close. I'll be honest, I didn't try hard enough, I guess, with the first game, but I just, like, I couldn't, I couldn't even get... Uh, what was it? The three. There's like three you know levels I mean? you get, the, yeah. Yeah, there's like three levels. I, I couldn't even get three levels in the easier ones. Like, it was just, it was hard for me. And I mean, if I would have donated a lot of time to it, I probably could have. But I was like, you know what? I, I completed the, the game itself 100%. I, I, I don't feel the need to have to go back and do all this. Yeah. Because um, it was just too hard for me. <laughs> and, uh, it is definitely time consuming and around the time it's released a bunch of other great games are coming out so it's kind of like I got distracted with other games after I beat <laughs> the main story and got 100% with that so <laughs> I said I wanted yeah. to get all like the trophies or achievements on Xbox 360 for Arkham City but I haven't yet and I feel kind of bad now because <laughs> I did it for the first one I wanted to do it for this one too but <laughs> it's going to um, be a while yeah yeah I, I mean although I did want to say um seeing uh the, I think it was the collectibles that have been announced. The solicitations for September, they had the um the figure for the Azrael from Arkham City. Yeah. And and that just made me excited to play it again. <laughs> it, it's one of those games that I just like. I've had it since I think I got it like right after Christmas. So I've had it for a while, but I just I, I haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> um, and I kind of want to. You kind of bring up what happened to me. Like last podcast, I said I wasn't gonna get, I wasn't gonna get this DLC. But then I went back and I played Arkham City, mm-hmm. 
And I kind of want to get it now. I mean, <laughs> after it was revealed that, you know, it's going to be two hours of new con- content and uh, new environments, I kind of uh, – it, it's – It'll definitely be worth the ten dollars. Yeah, if it was challenge maps and stuff, or even just maybe costumes, I don't think I'd have gotten it. But because it's actual gameplay, (laughs) well, I mean the thing is, they they, they have to actually give you something. Yeah, yeah, they they can't just give you new skins and stuff. That's boring. So I mean, they're they're giving us you know another uh, pretty much another story. Yeah, which is that 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 but always makes good DLC. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Gary, I know you haven't played it yet, but do you know how the game ends? We don't want to spoil anything for you. But. Ooh, yeah. No, I don't, but I can take my uh, headphones off if you want to talk about something. No, I, I won't get into it, but just to yeah, we don't. come yeah. up. So. <laughs> we I, I've been avoiding it. I, I know something happens, and I think at one point on, a, on a, a Facebook fan page or something, I read part of something, and then I've totally put it out of my memory. I don't remember what it was. But I, I, I seriously remember reading something that was dramatic. And then I was like, wait a minute, no, can't think about that, can't think about that. And, and, and I, I, I luckily was able to put it out of my mind because now I can't even remember what it was about, much less what was specifically said. Um, I just borrowed that ability. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I was very Especially lucky, I guess. in the coming months, coming up with the Dark Knight Rises, <laughs> where we're going to be seeing all these leaked reports. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, one thing, it's not a spoiler or anything from the first game, it was kind of more like a hidden Easter egg that I wonder if they're going to tie it in since this DLC has to deal with Harley Quinn, was that in the Joker's hideout where him and Harley were staying at? If you looked at their desk, you would see like a home pregnancy test that was on there. Yeah. And oh. you would see that it tested uh, positive. So it <laughs> kind of made you think if Harley's so, going to so be expecting. I, I, I wonder if that baby's going to come out like um, with green hair and <laughs> white face and red lips and stuff. I mean, the, They're like half and half. I guess, <laughs> Normal I guess that's not hereditary, so... <laughs> I, I yeah, <laughs> thinking of a baby with green hair and like a like a perma smile, <laughs> like uh oh, what was that in? Was that Batman Seven Hundred? Uh, yeah, Batman Joker was, Kid. Was, um, but it was thingy, wasn't it, from Batman Beyond? Yeah, was, yeah, it oh yeah, yeah, it was that. But I mean, just yeah, Joker baby. <laughs> ba ba ba. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that in a while. Um. Uh, there was only a little bit else that I saw this week that I thought was pretty cool. That um, some of those Dark Knight Rises shirts that they're going to be putting out and stuff, the uh, apparel. I don't know if yeah, you guys have yeah. seen that stuff. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Get some so, so, are they re- reissuing the shirts that they gave that they gave out at the prologue um, showing? I haven't no, seen no, no, yet. No, no, no. Yeah, so, I mean, so, so that was like a, just a one-off thing. Yeah, I think it was just for people that attended the screenings. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if you can get them eventually, though. Like you know, after yeah. the film. I mean, if nothing else, I'm sure a fan will make copies of it. Yeah, uh, I or, mean, or so, like whoever went to the premiere is going to put it on eBay for like three hundred dollars. Well, I'm sure they have already. <laughs> Did you guys get the Bane ones also? Did you get one of each? No, I just got a Batman one. Okay. Because yeah. I didn't care about the main one. Because <laughs> I, I, I went with my brother, me and him just got, we both got Batman. And then I've heard reports of other people, oh, I got one of Batman and one of Bane. We got one of each. So I was like, I guess it depended on the theory of how they were yeah. giving it to everybody. Or maybe maybe how many they had left over. Like if they had tons left over, they'd let you, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting though. I, I hadn't, that that option was never given to me. Otherwise, I'm sure I would have gotten one of each. <laughs> um, no, that's, 
Uh, I just have to ask Harry this. Did they have uh, 2XL? <laughs> no. <laughs> we have oh, XL, and I'm still too late, so I can't do it yet. And thanks, thanks, for, thanks for touching that nerve, Dan. <laughs> well, well no, I'm just PJ, kidding. go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, just have to ask. <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say, um, given how, because we, we never really kind of got a talk about the second trailer given being away and moving and stuff oh, yeah. but um, that the the symbol the batman chalk symbol that's on that yeah. t-shirt we now know is a bit more important to things than you know just uh it's not just a marketing tool it's in the movie yeah it makes the so, t-shirt even cooler now it's a movie i thought you meant something like i thought i thought you knew what it meant in the movie Oh no! But the, other than I was like, know, "Whoa, wait, what?" <laughs> I had no, but, but, it, but it is actually in the movie. So yeah. he, you know, any any symbol that comes up in one of these pop culture movies tends to work its way onto a T-shirt thereafter. Um, so I, I think replications or even different versions with that symbol on, uh, I think you can absolutely guarantee they'll be available. So I wouldn't worry, Dan. Yeah, definitely. Don't know about the sizes though, Gary. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no. Um I mean that's really about it, I guess, for stuff this week. I mean, except for comics, of course. Um, well, did you guys want to talk about the Bane mask? Oh yeah, that's right, the Bane mask. They, they released that uh Yeah, okay. Who released that image? It was a high res image of Bane. Is it an official one, I think? From I think it was. The for the Dino Rises Facebook page, possibly. Maybe. Maybe. With they, you know, stuck one of his quotes onto it, like everyone does on Facebook when they post a picture. I do it; it's fine. <laughs> um, I am Gotham's reckoning. His picture of Bane, because <laughs> we can't just say here's a picture of Bane. <laughs> but yeah, uh, PJ, you actually had yeah, like I, stylistic things to point out about the mask. Yeah, this is me noticing things that no one else wants to notice or even cares about. <laughs> Can I say something before um, you get started, PJ? Yeah. So, it was revealed that, you know, Bane is in a, he had some form of trauma in his past, and he needs the mask, which delivers some form of, form of anesthetic. Yep. So, I mean, couldn't you just take the anesthetic intravenously? But then I was thinking, maybe Bane, or whatever his real name is, wanted to be a badass, so he decided to make a cool mask. But anyways, uh Go ahead, PJ. Sorry. I, I, I was just wondering, like, why couldn't he just take it in his vein? Why did he have to well, I think part of it was he was inspired by luchadors or something, wasn't it? Or was that well, just in the comics? I think that's just in the comics. But I think yeah. what's actually happening here is Dane is trying to out-realism Chris Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I know you like to do things like they'd actually be, but why couldn't he just get an inhaler? Or why couldn't he just get... Couldn't Bane he with an inhaler. <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> you have uh, that, he could have that guy with the falcon come over and, and hold his inhaler for him. Yeah. Yeah, bird. Uh, yeah, bird. Right. <laughs> what an original name. <laughs> I have an arm. I have a bird on my arm, and he attacks people. What are you going to call him? Uh, bird. <laughs> bird guy. Nah, bird's easier. Let's just go with bird. <laughs> but yeah, I'd, I'd picked up on on the fact because I saw uh, coupled with well, when the t-shirts were released, they had that um, the, the Bane mask in in like a glass case. It was like a really clean version that was 
at the time, I thought quite weirdly blue. I was a bit like, oh, well, why, what's the deal with that being blue? Um, but when they then released that high-res picture from the movie, what you can actually see is, is, is the mask is blue, but it's kind of got that wear and tear that, you know, Bane's rough and ready, um, you know, desert warfare style. Uh, um, has, has, has created so it's kind of it's broken down because I was I know this a while ago some not the the movie masters figures but some of the action figures for the Dark Knight Rises where you know they've made it a bit more simplistic the the, the masks blew on that as well and so yeah. there's just something I picked up on that I'm sure some fans somewhere will go crazy over because Bane's <laughs> masks never been blue before oh except, no they yeah. can't do that <laughs> where are the red eyes and why isn't it a lucha libre mask because it wouldn't yeah. fit over the inhaler, you idiots. <laughs> Where's his black tank top? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but now I've just, so yeah, I noticed Bane has a blue mask. Enjoy. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wanted to mention one little thing, actually, before we get into comics that I almost forgot about. Um, PJ and I are the only ones that have heard it, but uh, Kevin Smith, who... Uh, for those of you that listen to a lot of podcasts, you might know, um, has this huge podcast network that started with Smodcast, and he does a whole bunch of podcasting things. Um, and he started a new one recently called Fat Man on Batman. That's where, a good title. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, where basically he's going to talk to different people related to Batman in you know all of the varieties of... Um, you know, platforms and whatnot, and uh, I guess they couldn't do a Smodcast this week, so they actually put the first episode out on the Smodcast feed, so a lot of people are finding it. Um, and his first episode, he interviewed Paul Dini, uh, who he has a personal connection with, because he actually named his daughter Harley Quinn um, after the character that Paul Dini created. Um, and it was really cool to hear. Um, PJ, you liked it too, right? Yeah, I, um, you know, um, I think... It's a great idea. It's a great combination. Kevin Smith, as, as anyone who knows Kevin Smith, the guy can talk. The, you know, yeah. the, the guy's really, really good. So podcasting very much suits his style. Um, and putting, pairing him together with Paul Dini is, it's just a treat for anyone who is a fan of any of the work those two guys have done or as a fan of Batman. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if, if you're, um, if you're not the type of person that listens to a podcast, then I'd be worried because you'd be listening to this. But, <laughs> um, if there was one just bit of Batman kind of behind the scenes thing to listen to, I, I'd say it's this. Because you've got a guy that, you, you know, we, we were talking about this before. Kevin Smith's own track record with the Batman character is, uh, you, you know, it is what <laughs> spotty at best. Um, <laughs> to be polite, but, 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 you know, but the knowledge the guy has, what the guy knows, yeah. uh, you know, about the history of the character is, is you know, it's up there with, with the best of people who know about Batman and know about that stuff. I mean, that's the so thing. He, he might not have done the best job with all of his Batman projects. But he definitely has a real love and passion for the character and knows a lot about the yeah. character. Yeah, and so as, as a vocal point, as, you know, to be the person that kind of gets to embody the rest of us fans when, mm-hmm. when meeting and speaking to someone like Paul Dini, I don't think you, I don't think there's a better person out there 
than Kevin Smith to do that. Yeah, I can agree with that for sure. The result, the result speaks for itself. It's it's a feast for the ears for anyone who's a, a, a fan or anyone who just likes to listen to good stuff. Yeah, because I mean, even if you don't like Batman, which I mean, why would you be listening to this if you don't? But yeah. even if you don't like Batman, Kevin Smith makes talking about pretty much anything funny and enjoyable. <laughs> Yeah, um, and, and it's also Paul Dini's got a fantastic life story that yeah, he finally yeah. kind of tell. And I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. I didn't sure, realize yeah. that Paul Dini, like, I mean, like just tons and tons of different things. And he started off like right out of college and has been running ever since, you know, through the 70s and beyond. Um, he's even worked on those old uh, Star Wars cartoons, the Ewoks and the droids. Yeah, he talks yeah. about that in there too. <laughs> yeah, they, they talk about all of that, and I, yeah. you know, I could count on, I couldn't count on my hands the amount of things I learned that Paul Dini had worked on that I didn't know he'd worked on before before I listened to. Like it. Tiny Toons with Spielberg and yeah. and then E Man with and the Lucas. Masters of the Universe. Yeah, I mean, uh, just like, I mean, then of course you know all the Batman stuff and the DC work he's done since, but I mean. He's just he's prolific with the amount of work he's done in uh, animation, especially. Um, and he also wrote for Lost, right? Yeah, that's right. He did. I don't think uh, did they mention that? Um, no, they kind they of just stuck it, to animation mostly. It was more the it was the pre Batman animated series Paul Dini that kind of was was discussed. I mean, you know, he's yeah, he's done loads of stuff since, hasn't he? Yeah, I think they talked a little bit about the the Arkham games. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, nothing really. Yeah, that's true. He didn't really talk about much except a little bit of Justice League and a little bit of the Arkham games that I really remember past the Batman series. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely a really interesting listen, and I recommend. Yeah, and and tr- trying not to spoil it too much, but as my last kind of selling point for, mm-hmm. for this thing, and I'm sure Gary will agree with me on this. Um, just just the emotion and the passion that the Paul Dini has for the character. And and um you know, the Really show. because he was kind of phoning in those scripts for True, uh, but but in this, of Gotham. Yeah. But in this interview he talks about stuff he wrote like two decades ago. And yes. he he is Still so passionate as to as to why he he wrote those stories, yeah. and as you know, the, the, there's only so many good stories that can be told. That's kind of what we are reminded with every Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and so you know, I th- I think that that is one of the things that is what makes a good writer great is just how much they care. <laughs> You guys told me, and I'm kind of embarrassed now that I haven't listened to it yet, and here I am saying I'm the well, biggest animated fair, series fan. To be fair, it is the inaugural episode, and it doesn't even, I don't think it even has its own feed yet. It was just in the Smodcast feed, so like, you know, it wasn't really promoted, unless you're a fan of Smith in general, you might not know about it. Um, but Well, Barry, it's, it's so fitting that, um, that you would, A, bring up a pod, another podcast about Batman, and that podcast has the word "fat man" in it, so congratulations. Dane, I I I don't know why that you feel the need to, for your three comments in this whole episode, <laughs> mention me being fat. I mean, I I I don't get it, man. <laughs> uh, Gary, if, if I've hurt your uh, feelings in any way, I'm sorry. And um, I will be passive-aggressive about my apology. I just can't think of anything right now. So, 
You know what? You're a Debbie Downer wet rag. We don't need you on this show anymore, Dane. There's no Debbie Downer today. There's <laughs> <laughs> no ambulances. <laughs> All right, so I guess we can finally get into the, the, the real meat of our uh, podcast here, the comics of the past couple weeks. And uh, we're going to do a new rating scale. Uh, our rating scale for this week is Needless Characters That Tony Daniels Created. Um and they're all so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we have to keep it, uh, you know, just for simplicity's sake, restricted to five needless <laughs> characters. Um, you know, but there's there's surely more than that. Uh, so um, I guess I'll just I'll read through the list real quick, and then we'll go through them, uh, you know, one at a time real quick. Um, uh, for May 9th, we have Batman Nine, Suicide Squad Nine, Arkham Unhinged Two. Batman and Robin 9, and Batgirl 9. And for the 16th of May, we have Red Hood and the Outlaws 9, Nightwing 9, Justice League 9, Catwoman 9, and Birds of Prey 9. Um, I also kind of threw in, because I, I couldn't remember the exact dates for the digital books, there's the Batman Beyond Unlimited releases and the Justice League Beyond Unlimited. Is it Unlimited? Re- releases uh, for the past couple weeks, too. Um, which were, you know, the digital first uh Books there, so I think it's. A, um, you know, I would just say from a purely personal point of view, okay. it's a real shame you've thrown those two in because for the first time, people who are only just getting to know me on this podcast won't really realize this. But um, I don't read a lot of books because I'm cheap, so I can only afford to pick up so many of the titles. Yet I made a concerned <laughs> effort to pick up every Night of Owls tie-in book, and <laughs> possibly the first time ever. I was going to have read all the books on the list. <laughs> <laughs> and Gary goes and throws in the two <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I had to be an overachiever and uh, <laughs> finally catch up on those. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, personal score is 90% needless characters that Tony Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um... Well, I guess we'll just we'll start off with the big one from May 9th, uh, Batman 9. What do you guys think? I mean, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty as far as the rest of the night or Court of Owls storyline. And definitely with this issue, it's picking up the pace as far as uh, Batman going on the offensive this time. Yeah. The, while the issue ended saying he's going to burn their house down and say invaded his, which was a great line, I thought, to end the book. But how it started off, um, was kind of just picking up where the last one ended with Batman in that big old robot suit taking on the Court of Owls or the Talons. And I kind of said it for the last one where I kind of wish he was taking on all the Talons in his normal Batman costume just to show how much better he is than the Talons without needing this suit. And I realized that there were tons of them going in and he needed some advantage over them. But yeah. I kind of got what I was asking for in the middle of the, the sequence. Where he yeah. does get yeah, to yeah. his normal Batman costume and just starts beating all the towns up, which is really cool. I like how it led into that, where he uh, told the story of how uh, when his ancestors first moved into Wayne Manor, it was infested with bats, and then they sent owls in to kill, get rid of all the bats in the cave. But then he forgot; to, they forgot to realize that the bats came back, and then we see all the bats coming through in the back. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. And then he goes, that was a great payoff. Yeah, definitely. at the end of that issue. <laughs> Yeah, because at first everything was all, like, dark and gloomy, and, like, 
you know, how the Owls defeated the Bats, and and then, you know, kind of right as he was redeeming himself in the book or whatever, you know, defeating them, the Bats sweep in, you know, like, it, was, it was really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And we got to see uh, the T-Rex getting in on the action, too. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't know, if, I don't remember ever seeing it do anything besides be a nice decoration for the. Yeah, me neither. I don't remember that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry though, Tim. I think you know. I think you will get. You'll get your Batman classic beating up some owls. I mean, you know, I already got in this in issue, which issues. I was happy with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I won't complain about that anymore because he gave it to me in this one, and how it led yeah. to it was great too. Now, yeah. I, I kind of caught up. Right now, just by reading the current wave, I haven't read the beginning of the Court of Owls uh, storyline. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, I know. But get out! <laughs> hey, hey, I'm glad I finally at least read the books. <laughs> um, I, I, I can I can work on going back now that at least I have you know. Um, but I uh, I thought it was really cool him with that huge metal suit, kind of reminding me of the the Dark Knight Returns. You know, metal bat suit is just really cool. And yeah, was, I got the Batman Beyond vibe for, to it when he got in that big suit. Yeah, I was th- that was the second one I was thinking of too. Ah, uh, see, I got an Azrael vibe because of the red visor. <laughs> I'm beating Nightfall uh, now, so that's probably why that's in my head. So it is yeah. very cool that they've managed to create something that could relate to so many different <laughs> parts of Batman's history. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I, I thought it was it was really neat. It, it hearkened to a lot of things, but I just I, I liked the I liked the idea of no matter what, if he can't get an edge intellectually, he's gonna find a way to have an edge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever he has to do to do what he's got to do, he's always prepared for it. And I just I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's what always makes Batman great too. He's always yeah. one step ahead of no matter how like, much better his enemies seem at the time, he's always one step ahead of one. Which Plus, it's really fun awesome. to just see yeah. a big robot Batman beating the heck out of things. <laughs> Did you guys get that thing at the end with Lincoln March? I mean, it, it kind of took me a while to kind of figure out what was going on there. I mean, I, I know he narrowed down the names on his list from his campaign contributions, yeah. but then I don't know how he did that. Yeah, I think um, that, for me, that will probably make more sense when we know who it is, you know, in, 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 you know, where they tie in to Gotham during the daylight hours will probably yeah, become yeah. more apparent when we know who they are. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't completely fully explained, but it, that's, I think that's kind of the nature of the mystery of it at the, at the minute that you just get this, you know, he gets this bit of information from Lincoln March and it'll make more sense when, you know, when you have that kind of Sherlock Holmes Batman reveal moment where he goes, oh, this is what happened and you were doing this and, and you're over there in the corner type thing. Uh, I think, oh, yeah, so, I know what you mean, though. It was a bit yeah. bit of a quick, what? How does he know? No, I, I was just wondering why you went with Sherlock Holmes and not an American detective. <laughs> Columbo? Because there's so many notable American detectives. <laughs> Oh, Sherlock, Sherlock was the original. How about how about Steve McGarrett, right, right, Dan? Oh yeah, <laughs> MacGyver. <laughs> oh man, um. MacGyver could kick Sherlock Holmes' ass any day. 
I'm sorry. All, all no, he needs, PJ. all he needs, is a toothpick, a rubber band, and um, you know, a pencil and a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That honestly, I maybe it's just I didn't think into it much, but that didn't really bother me. I just kind of figured he'd been researching it in the background and narrowed it down to a few people he thought were likely. Or maybe he just it random too. But then uh, again, I haven't yeah. I haven't so. read the lead up to it, so maybe there's. Was anyone else a bit surprised they killed him off? Um, no, not, not really. really. I mean, uh, yeah, I could c- kind of see him. Because for, for as... me, it was a bit because you know last time we saw the poor guy, he'd just been you know stabbed stabbed uh, by the talon and was lying in a hospital bed. <laughs> kind of like, hey, Lincoln's back. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> That guy does not have a good relationship with knives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he shouldn't be near a knife. He should be in a padded room, like, at all times. <laughs> I really liked him as a character. He kind of, I, you know, he reminded me back of that, um, the, the Bruce Wayne-Harvey Dent relationship from the animated series. Mm-hmm. It is sort of, you know, that's, that's the vibe I got from it, and I thought it was really cool to kind of have that again. Yeah, Unless they're kind of throwing us off, and he's more involved with the Court of Owls. Well, yeah, but then... he's faking his death or something, and yeah, and, wants and, to give Bruce then, information. Then he'll be the bad guy, which is fine, and that will be, you know, quite a cool twist to the story that I'll, I'll look forward to. But then we lose what I was kind of looking forward to in, in Bruce having this kind of extra ally in yeah. the, the, the real-world fight for good that isn't just Jim Gordon. Because um, I always think it's quite nice, you know, like what they did with Harvey Dent before he became Two Face. Yeah, it, it was good that there was that other character in a different role that believed in the idea of Batman. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so it was a shame to lose him, but I'm, you know, I'm sure it, it serves a greater purpose to the story as to, as to why that happened, whether it's a, a twist reveal. Um, honestly, I thought it, it, issue nine was a bit of a slow burner for me um, because. Um, I kind of, you sort of expected the beginning from the end of the, because the end of the last issue when you saw him come out in the suit of armor, mm-hmm. you know, it had pretty much foregone conclusion that he was he was going to kick some serious owl, but tail. In, in, yeah, <laughs> owl tail exactly in, in this one, and and so that happened, and then there was that weird kind of bit in the middle that had the throwaway to oh well no you need to read Detective Comics issue nine to find out what happened at this point, which you don't really uh, need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it it, it could have almost been se- more seamless that they didn't really have to, you know, fully bookmark it like that because then it kind of. As far as the Batman issue nine story goes, it, it splits it a little bit. It's kind of a you know before and after thing going on, um, and then and then you just you know it, it very quickly ends um, with, with the Lincoln March. So I mean I you know every every issue of this arc can't be an issue five type thing. I, I yeah. completely get that they can't all be, and it fits perfectly within the overall story. So only marking it as an individual issue. It didn't completely enthrall me. That is until I read the backup feature, which for me was was the main course this week and and, and was brilliant. I thought. I actually have an issue with that with the backups. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> the big thing about it was how it revealed that Alfred's father was the main butler to the Wayne family, and yep. Bruce as a child. I where I always like it where Alfred was 
there with Bruce from the beginning, from the day he was right. born till now yeah. with Batman. That was always, I think, a big part of what made their his father-son relationship special. And now that's gone now, as apparently yeah. he's going to meet Bruce probably not too long before his parents are killed. Yeah. Which kind of lessens their relationship a little bit for me. I Yeah, I think what... For me, I I, so, I, I kind of want to agree with you on that, Tim. I can completely understand where you're coming from. Um, I think, though, with the backup, there is go- there's going to be a bigger payoff for, for the Alfred character as to as to where his father fits into this whole story. Yeah. I think that the you know which hopefully will equal the the emotion that you wanted of of Alfred being there, you know, with Bruce from the beginning that. Because it, for me, very much, um, I, have, I have sort of two theories on this, which I'll open up to the table. It is one, you know, looking very likely that we're about to possibly see the last days of Alfred's dad. Yeah, uh, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that very much puts Alfred, that puts him in the same boat as Bruce. He's about to lose his own father. Um, so there is there's a united grief aspect their relationship that will be added, which is, you know, certainly a new dynamic on it. That, you know, Alfred loses his dad, Bruce loses his parents, so then, you know, Alfred takes Bruce on as this sort of surrogate child. Um, My other shocking theory about it is um, I actually think that Mr. Pennyworth is a member of the Court of Owls. Yeah, um, it does say that all this is his fault at the end. Yeah, and I, you know, I think... they've given us no reason... As to why it could be his fault, other than maybe he's part of the Court of Owls. Yeah, and I, I think he could be, you know, he could be a member in that kind of same style as the poor guy they often, in the first issue, you know, who was just the trainer mm-hmm. for the Talons, and then, you know, they, they were trying to cover the cover the trail. Um, it, it could be a thing like that. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more so than, because, you know, the obvious way that story sets it up is that he's the enemy of the Court and they're trying to kill him. So the more interesting scenario there is that he's actually a member of the court and they're trying to kill him. Um, and he brought that into the Wayne household. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely shaping up to be a good mystery story, and I'm definitely looking forward to see how it all plays out, but I just know that one little detail is always going to bug me, <laughs> even yeah. if the payoff is good, because, I mean, there's been certain, certain like times where, Alfred makes reference to him caring for Bruce, which always made for some great lines that I always thought that just helped build their relationship as father and son. It made it just more yeah. that more that mu- well, much that, more special. Would that ruin it if his own father was the caretaker for the first two or three years of his life? Yeah, because then for me it does anyway. Because then you can't say that Alfred has really been Bruce's like father figure from the beginning. Well, from even, the beginning of Bruce's... It is from his life, uh, from being born, anyway. Like, he's always been there, and now that's not... Yeah, but I mean, as far as Bruce would know, he probably would barely even remember, if at all, you know, the... Yeah. Mr. The elder Pennyworth. Yeah, even, even from Alfred's standpoint, too, I think, helps. Because I think, even this has no continuity to this storyline, but even other different stories. Like, Alfred is, like, proud of knowing that he was there for Bruce at the very beginning. Because I remember this one uh, Justice League episode... Where uh, uh, flashes in the Wayne Manor, he's, he asks Alfred, uh, "So, are you part of the house? Are you, do you come with the house, Alfred?" And then Alfred goes, "For your information, I've been here since the master was in diapers." It's like has has that feel to him. Yeah. Like he's proud that he's has been there from the beginning, 
and with Bruce since he was a baby, and he's seen seen him do his life now up until Batman. And for me, that's part of it that's gone now that I wish was still there. Yeah. Well, I don't really have a problem with that. It's just, I don't know if it's necessary to not only do what they did in Nightwing, which we'll get to, um, but to drag Alfred into this Court of Owls thing and his history, I don't know if it's the right move. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say right now with just one part, one of his backup, to see how it all is yeah. going to play out, if it's going to work or not, but it has me intrigued. It seems like too much. Like too coincidental, like kind of that everyone. Yeah, has. yeah, because I mean, yeah, the Wayne family has been there for a long time, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of yeah. Are they not? Are they not setting it up though that as long as the Wayne family have been there, the owls have been there longer? I mean, yeah. I, I get what that's saying though too, but at the same time, I I, I hear what Dane's saying, where it's kind of like, you know, um. How how far back are you going to insert this story? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, because I mean, obviously, you know, they've been doing a, I think, a fairly good job of the past year or two inserting little little bits here and there to kind of tease the owls. But, um, Dane, please don't cut this out. Let me have my one small dimension no, per week. No, 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 seriously, <laughs> really, dude, like. All you need to do is bring up your dad and that you and your dad used to watch Smallville and your dad loves Superman and then I'm not going to cut it. But that's all I, I, just, I... There literally is... Like, Tim will get it. I don't, I, at least... Yeah, yeah um, go, go ahead. I won't cut it. Tim, you, you know how the, the stained glass window in the Luther Mansion all of a sudden had the Veritas symbol in it at yeah, one point? Yeah, that's And right. it was just supposed to have been there the whole time. But it was just something they introduced that one season to add. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they literally, they, there was this stained glass window in the back of the main room of the Luther Mansion where Lex's office was, um, and it just had a big L, which was like the the family crest of the Luthers, because this yeah. this mansion was supposedly brought over from Scotland from their ancestors. And uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> at the beginning of I forget what season, there was uh, suddenly a symbol of this secret organization that uh, somehow. Is that uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like I guess this this group like had previous knowledge that a visitor from another planet was going to come, and uh, so it was basically like all to tie in to to Clark and Superman and whatever. But all of a sudden, in the beginning of this season, there was this V symbol right. As, as like half of the crest yeah. that wasn't there before and it's just kind of like um, you know to, to play devil's advocate in, <laughs> in, in this in this kind of thing I'd say that with this though you, you've had the new 52 That's which true. you know it didn't it, it, and the, the argument would be that yes it carried on the, the, the Batman continuity but there are changes there you know you're back girl being back and, and, and things yeah. like that so we, we have had the time shift so they they do they kind of have the opportunity to do something like this and not for me it not feel as ham-fisted because y- y- it is a bit like that you know if you tread on a, if you go back in time and tread on a butterfly then there's an entire owls organization that's been running Gotham for centuries sort of thing you know I guess I, that's I, true I guess I, that's the the main point to take out of it is it's just we're coming from it from the mindset of, oh, well, there's all this other history, but yeah, that, doesn't, that doesn't count anymore. <laughs> and of, I, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of, I, yeah, I'm 
really just playing devil's advocate, but maybe that's kind of my role from back yeah. when I saw the introduction at the beginning, that I'm <laughs> part of that, you know, I'm part of that new reader, that I'm, I'm very much aware of the existing continuity of the, the, yeah. the Batman had before the New 52, but it was a continuity that I had to catch up with. I had to, I had to read back mm-hmm. over sort of thing. Whereas now here I am, you know, finally sat in for the ride, and and so I'm getting this. So maybe maybe that's what makes me a bit more accepting of, yeah. of them doing stuff like that. Uh, and and it is good too for the writers and creators to to have this chance to to say that this was there from the beginning and no one can really doubt it because it was totally rebooted. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. from the beginning of this universe, maybe there was a court of owls this whole time. You know, yeah, and, and I also, you know, it's a, it's a cracking story. It's 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 been one of the best selling stories of the new Fifty Two. So, um, I I take that as well. If you, if you, to to make the to round this story out in the way that they want to do it, if you have to mess with the the you know the history a little bit more than maybe people might like, um, I'll I'm happy to let them do it. And then again, Scott Snyder has been saying that it is going to have big changes to the overall history of Batman and his fa- members yeah. of his family. So he kind of prepared us for this already. And and honestly, that makes me happy because that was one of the things that I was kind of disappointed about with the new Fifty Two was that they totally rebooted everybody except for Batman and Green Lantern. Like they were yeah. allowed to keep their history totally intact, but yet you know, so now they're actually saying, well, hey, you know what? Uh, things are a little different, even for these characters, you know. I'm, I'm waiting until you find out that it was a Talon that shot the parents. <laughs> I know, I'm waiting for something like that, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I God. Well, which I'm hoping <laughs> I does. hope not. Yeah. yeah, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know what, you know what? You sold me, PJ, though. Like, you, you're right. I hadn't <laughs> thought about it from that angle. That's that's a good point. So well put. So well, listening, DC. Put me on the damn payroll. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, and to pick up his movies for his uh, ideas for the movies too. Yeah, he had some good ones. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, did anybody read Suicide Squad or Arkham? Okay, we, 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 yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh shoot. Okay, yeah. Scores. I'm sorry. I totally forgot about that. Um, I guess. Are we, we going to score it as one, or are we going to score the backup and the main? One. One. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Uh. So I guess we'll just start with our uh, ratings then. I guess for Batman Nine, I have to give it. I think a, a good solid four. Uh. Unnecessary Tony Dan- Tony Daniel characters for five. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Four unnecessary Tony Daniel characters for me because I think if I wasn't disappointed with that one little detail about Alfred in the backup, I would have given it probably a four and a half, maybe even a five because I did like where the backup's going and I thought the overall issue was good, but. That story point of Alfred's bugging me, so I knocked off a full point. At least it. he's not holding guns. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> Hopefully, when he comes into Wayne Manor for the first time, he doesn't have a handgun somewhere hidden in his coat yeah, pocket. Right. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll follow the trend and go with four unnecessary Tony Daniel characters out of five. Yeah, and I'll again follow the trend and give it. <laughs> Four needless characters Tony Daniel has created, just because some parts were kind of hard to follow. But I mean, Bruce's inner monologue was perfect. You know, Scott yeah, Snyder yeah. wrote that perfect, and that payoff at the end with the bats was that was so cool. That was so cool. <laughs> so yeah, four. All right. Um, 
I guess we'll just go in the order of the list I, I had here for you guys. Uh, did anybody read Suicide Squad or Arkham Unhinged? Suicide Squad, but I didn't read Arkham Unhinged. I read Suicide Squad. I may have read Arkham Unhinged because I was buying the, the digital releases as they came out a while ago. Mm-hmm. So I know that this is now a kind of collected form of them. Um, if you want me to remember what happened, I may struggle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll just, for simplicity's sake, we'll leave out Arkham Unhinged. Um, cause... You could almost leave out Suicide Squad as well. I mean, really? if one, if I'm the only one who read it for a start. Two, um, it was a weird crossover yeah. issue with Resurrection Man. Holly Quinn wasn't was in like one scene at the beginning. Really? Uh, it, it has very little place on this podcast on this specific week. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, well, do you guys even want to cover it then, or? I, I, I wouldn't if if it were me. I mean, if you want me to talk about it, I'll I'll talk about how crap it was because Holly Quinn wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's if it's not a good issue to begin with, and there's no Batman connection, I guess we don't really yeah. have to. Yeah, it, it, it would cover be, it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um. Then I guess we'll go on to one of the next big ones. There, the Batman and Robin Nine. Who wants to take this one first? I'll do it. Cool. Go for it. I will take this and. Make it better. <laughs> like the million dollar man. <laughs> okay, um, Batman and Robin 9. Um, this issue for me was kind of weird, but comical and intense at the same time. And he had a jetpack. I mean, yeah, he had a jetpack, and he's telling, you know, full-grown men and soldiers, nonetheless, what to do and stuff. And it was just, you know, a comical issue. And if if you look at it that way, um, then it's an all right issue. I, I think for the most part it served the crossover okay by checking one more name off the off that uh, talent list. And... Um, yeah, like I said, for showing that Damon can command a small group of soldiers, but um, the, the the last part of this issue was pretty good. I mean, it was a bit anticlimactic with Damien having a quick one-on-one fight with the Talon, um, and, you know, it ends up, you know, Damien hangs the, the Talon by the neck. Um, but it all... It almost makes me wish that we didn't have so much of the part where Damien is raging the soldiers and more of the fight. Yeah. But um, Tomasi kind of makes makes up for it in the end when Damien decapitates the Talon, and we have that one panel at the end where the uh, Talon's head is perched on the branch of the tree <laughs> like an owl. And um, yeah, I mean that. That's the other thing, too. Uh, I almost see it as a... Hum- I mean, it is a humorous issue. We have Damien ordering around a bunch of grown men, like I said, and then we have some dark humor with the couple camping and, you know, getting their heads chopped off. <laughs> but, I but um, I don't know. I If you look at it that way, you know, just for laughs, then it's a pretty good issue. But what I didn't like was the backstory with the talent and how he was sent by the court to take out a family for land, yeah, that was really... which was given to them by George Washington. <laughs> I just thought that, that was a little too um, coincidental. Ooh. I mean, That's, yeah, I, just interesting. I really liked it. You did? 
yeah, that was that was the kind of. I, I agree with everything you said about the rest of the book, but but for me, the that was more the standout bit. Um, I um, in in the kind of weird way. I don't know. Maybe it's because of my crackpot theories about everything else. <laughs> but um, I think because I was so high on my um, Jarvis Pennyworth, a member of the court theory. <laughs> And I was reading Batman. And, well, and the, the, the reason why is the the reason why the court needed that land is never really explained in full detail. And no, but the you know the, the uh, fact yeah. that one of the kids survived and was taken by another family. Who are the, yeah. I mean, yeah, I I can't. No, I know what you mean with that bit. The the the, the bit I latched onto more so was the. Um, the Court of Owls had ties to the English in, in, in the Revolution. So oh, I see. So it's a, they, English. they had ties to the English. Did they have ties to the Pennyworths and, and, and all yeah. that, that? That was what I was picking up. The other thing that I picked up on was more so from the the visual aspect to the flashback. I thought it was really well yeah. drawn. Yeah, despite who did that? Who, who did um, that was, I'm not sure what it was. Whoever was, was the guy that did the fill in, that was the bit he did. Yeah, uh, he did a Batman Inc issue, I think. Uh, I think before, or... I'm not sure, but... Um, but yeah, and then the other thing that I picked up on was that there's a really cool image of that Talon when he's kind of being initiated and given and given his job, and you see the court, and there's a figure in there that is, you know, is a figure that I have not... I can't recall kind of seeing with any of the other Court of Owls imagery that we've, we've seen before in it, I can't even tell if it's a statue or if it's actually a, a real person. And it's next to or behind the, the member of the court that's actually given the towel on his mission. And it's like this weird suit of armor, statue-esque, badass-looking owl thing with a sword. Yeah. yeah. He's also um, in the and, center of the two pages, too. Like. He's in, yeah, he's in the center of the two pages. And this is, this is my second crackpot theory for the week. <laughs> Um, because I was reading back over over the the other issues and stuff, and um, there's that line that the court used when they rise the talons from um, from their sleep, where they say, um, "Hiding in plain sight," or it, is it "Hiding in plain sight like the great owl," or "Like the great owl hides in plain sight," um, and it doesn't. Th- there's no like punctuation to make anything more important. Than, it, than the rest in that, but I, you know, just reading it and and how at the beginning we had the nursery rhyme and the nursery rhyme mentions the talon and then the talon became the character. Uh, my second crackpot theory is is the leader of the court of owls a character known as the great owl, which you know then the identity will be revealed in some shocking thing as someone that we know. Um, but but is is that you know a character that we're still to be introduced to that the the granddaddy of the court of owls is actually known as the great owl and was this our first um visual of of them because you know because it's not mentioned he's just there in the background but if that if that becomes important in a couple of issues time then that was the cool thing for me that was that we just saw this silent figure in the yeah. back but for all I know, this is—it's just a statue, and I've got far too excited. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would be perfect, PJ. You, you would be perfect at like being a conspiracy theorist, like yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the grassy knoll in Dallas, Texas. You know, President Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <It's> definitely. <laughs> you can the story. 
One thing yeah. I was wondering about on that whole section where it talked about the talents task, where that there's that panel that shows the kid and it says that um, somehow his youngest son survived. But looking at that panel, it kind of looks like he could have killed him easily, easily and he kind of let him go. Yeah. Like, hesitated to kill that little kid, but then yeah. he's not admitting to it, though. Yeah. But they didn't really bit. go into that at all, really, because then he just reveals that that general he was sent to kill is a descendant of that family, even though his name is different. Yeah, I, I think there was a potentially a bigger story there, but they'll probably never, you know, they'll never need to, to explain it further. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame, but yeah, but also not a shame because it, we could draw it out then. So <laughs> I think we just take that for, for, for what it was. I think the main thing that oh sorry oh no go ahead Gary I was just gonna say that the main thing that stuck out to me about it was something that Dane kind of touched on a little bit was that it kind of annoys me that especially because I read them all like one after another and I read Batman Nine right before this. And Batman in a huge mechanized suit of armor with all of his gadgets was struggling to fight off one of them at a time. And Robin just kills one of them. Like, like almost like it's nothing. Like, he barely has to fight him at all. Well, I think the thing with that was there were tons of them in the back cave that Bruce had to take on. Or maybe he was fighting yeah. one at a time. But, there was but I mean, in general, in general, it seems like even the the bigger, more established heroes in the Bat universe are struggling to fight off just one of these guys at a time. And Robin's just able to go and take him out. It just seems too easy to me. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it, it was assassin versus assassin is what I saw it as. And I thought they were going to have this big clash. But it, it was just done too quick. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what I was trying to say. <laughs> like it, just, it seemed too a little too quick, you know. Like for... Even though... Not, not to say Robin isn't skilled. Um... Just you know, it seemed it seemed a little too easy for me. Whereas Nightwing and Batgirl and all these established heroes are really struggling with one-on-one battles, you know. And this guy is just defeated fairly quickly. Yeah, um, just to play devil's advocate very quickly again. <laughs> um, the, the only thing I'd say is because you get it in in those other stories is I think the rest of the Bat family have. Um, they have that struggle with where they have to make a decision during that fight because they then work out that, you know, it's not going to actually kill them. But right. they have they have to adapt themselves into as as Bruce says in issue nine, to play rough. They have to they have to change to actually go go full out. Whereas as as we know, Damien is more than capable of, of unleashing that fierce killer side to him. Yeah. Um, more readily than those other characters are. So those those other characters are still kind of, for the beginnings of those fights, they're playing the fight to defeat rather than the fight to kill. So you think if if Nightwing and Batgirl and all of them were willing to just decapitate him at a moment's notice, then it would have been different for them? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, in, in, in the sense that, that that's kind of where they all get to in their own little stories, you know, hmm. but... Um, Batgirl has that bit, I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll get to that point where she, the only option she has is to throw her talent off the roof and, and you get that inner monologue decision that she has to arrive at because of the situation. Yeah. Um, and that's actually before she realizes that it's not going to kill the thing. She, you know, she has, she has to make that choice. Whereas Damien, you know, he can switch that on and off like, you know, 
or like a light switch sort of yeah. thing. He's like, oh, okay, this this needs to be taken care of. We will take care of it, sort of thing. Whereas, uh, yeah, that that that's how I'd read it. Yeah, with how skilled I, 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 all these how, as everyone is, like Robin, Nightwing, uh-huh. Batgirl, skilled fighters as they are, it's probably harder for them to try and not to kill someone and fight them than to like go all out and try to kill them. Yeah. it would be a yeah, lot yeah, easier, yeah. like PJ said. So it makes sense. Yeah, I, I still do think maybe it could have been paced a little better. So the fight at least seemed a little more dramatic, even though... I, I kind of wanted you know. a bit more carnage than there even was. Yeah, it, like, yeah. It, it's, it's totally, but, you know, and to be fair, the head motif was almost worse. Not. <laughs> but yeah. I see, you know, to, to even further separate myself from maybe what you guys were thinking about it, I wouldn't have been at all unhappy with Damien going through, like, four of them and just, just you know, un, you know, being allowed to unleash that Damien side. Right. Um, and leaving, you know, just like a... Yeah, I, I kind of wanted Batman... I guess that would have been the way to deal with it then. To make it... To make it pay... Like, to make it, a, I guess, realistic, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, to, so that Robin, you know, because he is willing to kill and does have those assassination skills, um, that, you know, he's not wasting his time taking a long time to defeat one of them. But, yeah, he still gets to have a little more epic of a fight yeah. With, with multiple of them. You yeah. know, rather than having one real quick in and out, like, oops, almost got me. Okay, now I got him. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I agree on that. Anyways, uh, Tim, did you say your piece? Um, Just that, I guess, my overall impressions were, for all these Court of, or Night of Owls tie-in issues, the thing that's mm-hmm. going to make it for me is how much I enjoy the background stories that each talent has in these issues. Because pretty much all these tie-ins is going to be the basic plot where each hero has to defend someone from a talon, then we get some cool action sequences, but what separates them is kind of how each talon has a different background. And for me, this one for Batman and Robin wasn't the greatest. I mean, he really didn't have too much of a background as yeah, far as where he came from. This told, yeah, just told us about his mission. So, Possibly two very important pages. <laughs> That's true. Possibly. <laughs> so yeah, out of the all the tie-in issues, this one, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't one of my favorites. So, yeah, to score it, I'd probably give it three unnecessary Tony Daniel characters out of five. <laughs> um, I think I'd be a little bit more generous, because I did enjoy it. The only real thing I didn't like about it was that that fight in the end seemed a little rushed to me. Um, other than that, I thought it was pretty enjoyable, kind of like, uh, like Dane said. If you take it for what it is, it's kind of a almost tongue-in-cheek type of thing, yeah. like, wow, this this kid is commanding these soldiers, and they only think about it for, like, a second, and then they're like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, um, but, yeah, and then and then even, like, you know, his, uh, like, military tactics and stuff, like, it was, it was pretty neat, um, and, and I totally forgot about it, but I think Dane mentioned it, the, the dual beheading at the lake. Like, these two guys were just like, oh, we're making marshmallows, and I like mine a little more toasted. <laughs> and it's like, okay, dear, and then whoop. That's that classic, did you hear it? something? No, it's that classic, like, did you hear something in the background? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, if you think about it, going back to your point, Gary, uh-huh. um, that scene was kind of unnecessary. Yeah. If you think about it, but, again, if you if you take it as a... Like you said, a tongue-in-cheek book, then 
it pays off. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, too, there are some cool, intense, dramatic moments to it, too. Um, But, yeah, yeah, I think overall you kind of got to take it just for what it is, and it's it's kind of fun. And I think I'd probably give it – I'm stuck between three and a half and four unnecessary Tony Daniel characters. Um, I think think I'm going to go with three and a half. Because I, I can't say I liked it quite as much as I did Batman, but I, I, I was, it was it was pretty enjoyable. I had fun with it. Okay. Um, I will give it two and a half needless characters Tony Daniel has created because all the reasons I stated before. And, I don't know, Lee Garbett's art was okay in some places, but the scenes in The Forest were just rushed. It felt rushed because he, he, um, there, there's no detail to it. So, um, yeah, two and a half needless characters, needless characters Tony Daniel has created. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll sit in the middle with Tim on this one and say three needless characters that Tony Daniel has created. All right. (laughs) Um, we got one more for that week. Uh, Batgirl nine. Uh, you want to take this one, PJ? Um, okay. Oh, God. Because um, <laughs> first things first, this is the first issue of Batgirl that I'd read, so my my first experience with Gail Simone uh, do, doing that. Um, uh, the thing that's jumping straight out into my head is I, I thought the backstory for the Talon was excessive in this one. Um, really? I yeah. liked it. I, I, lo- I thought that that yeah. was the best part of the issue. I'm with you, Dan. I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah, because if you put down the issue, step back, it does make sense, and it kind of connects I nicely. But no, the thing, cause the thing that was off is because the, the Talon wasn't one of the Japanese girls. If I've got that wrong, I'm really sorry. If it was a yeah, but it was a product of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Them sending the fire balloons to America and it just so happened that the girl Mary, is that her name? Mary, yeah. was yeah. there, and um, you know she, her whole family was killed, and she was disfigured. I, I really like that part. Um, okay, um, and then um, what? I'm, I'm trying to think. What else? Then I was, ugh, I was a little, a little uneasy. Um, what we talked about before as to ju- just how, how, but I don't know, it was also, it was kind of a nice character moment where she decided she had to kill at, at a point where she thought that she was actually going to kill, um, this, this character when she pushes her off the roof. Yeah. Um, which, and, and the, uh, it's, it's a bit of a choppy issue, isn't it? Cause there's then the whole, there's the whole Jim yeah. Gordon side story. It's really which, rough. Yeah, but I suppose the thing about the Jim Gordon side story is it has a really nice payoff at the end. I read, I really liked the final the the final scene. Of, yeah. Um, of you know, Gordon spends the whole issue trying to turn the signal on when they've told him not to turn the signal on, and then he does it, and they're like, "Oh, well, we we were just fooling you. We knew you were going to do it." <laughs> but but, but still, I mean that that kind of didn't make sense because you know that that first scene we see of Commissioner Gordon when he's walking on the street and the guy stops him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why didn't that guy just kill him? I mean, perfect opportunity. Yeah. Uh, he's not surrounded by police. Well. But the talent is somewhere in um, the Indonesian community of Gotham. 
setting off firebombs, which kind of didn't make any sense. And for some reason, she she lets um, lets Bab, Babs go. Yeah, which I, is another one of those things, like with that Batman and Robin issue. I don't, we'll probably never really get a full explanation of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, choppy is kind of what well, you know. We're just you guys bringing up those extra points and remembering more about the issue now. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't hate it certainly because you know I remember reading it at the time, and maybe that's because for me the ending was was kind of a powerful thing with the. Did we just lose Gotham? You know, that's a that's a really strong line to go out on from from what you know. But yeah, the lead up it is bitty at best. Yeah, and the whole thing with the the Talon um, and Gordon, they don't ever share a scene together. I don't think, and I don't think Gordon even knows that the Talon is there. So I yeah. mean, j- just focusing on you know this one issue of this crossover, what was the point? I mean, the, the payoff at the end where, um, you know, Gordon lights the signal. The Talon, I, I don't know if this is what you're saying or not, but the Talon didn't seem to have a clear mission. It was well, weird. I mean, she, she was sent to kill Gordon, right? Does she? Yeah, yeah. Because um, this is something I'll, I want to go into more when we get to Birds of Prey in the next week. But certainly in this one, you did, yeah, you got the opening introduction with the, the whole Alfred in the cave thing, mm-hmm. giving people the list. And that, that was where it worked nicely because obviously Babs sees that list, sees that her dad's on the list. That is the person that she is going to go and, and try and save. But am I also then right in thinking that the Talon ambushes her before she's even seen the list? She sees it midway through. She gets attacked, and then the message comes, so she only works out. Yeah, there was a continuity issue there. Yeah. Yeah, because the issue just starts with them fighting already. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I'm starting to feel less good about this issue. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to bring it down, PJ. It had a great ending. (laughs) It had a great ending in terms of the bigger story of the Night of Owls. It was good that there was at least some explanation as to as to what happened with the signal, because that's been seen in, in in the Batman issue. Well, I'm actually on the opposite end of you guys now. I really enjoyed this one. I mean, like I said before, what's going to make it for me is the back backup stories to the actual talents. And like Dane said, I really enjoyed it with uh, this talent, kind of how her tragic background turned her into an assassin for the talents. But then I also really liked the whole Gordon thing too, where pretty much the court of owls are just playing with him and using him. With, just to get that signal lit up, which, like you guys said, was a great way to end the issue. I mean, it's like Gordon is like going to win win the small fight that he has with them, like, not listening to their threats, and he makes it up there and shines the signal, and then you find out it's a big letdown where it's what exactly what they wanted. Yeah, yeah, but I, I suppose that that has been diluted for me, remembering the fact that he was on their hit list. Cause, I mean, but the, know, the court of owls are probably so confident in themselves. They'll, they'll have like maybe well, we'll have a little fun with them too. We'll put them off yeah. this, have them do that, and then we'll kill them. They're probably not worried. And I, I kind of like that part of the thing they brought into it with uh, with this book and with the Nightwing issue that we'll get to later. Um, I like that they uh, they brought in the fact that not all of the talons are a hundred percent on board. That they have their own minds. 
you yeah. know, and can and can kind of make their own decisions, um, and don't just steadfast follow the rules, do the mission. But don't you, know? you think that kind of takes away from the court of court of owls? I mean, but maybe it's been at least this generation of court of owls. They're not too sure how their talents are going to be because this is the first time they're reawakened all of them right. in a long time. So maybe they're not really too yeah. sure how they're going to react once they're woken up again. And the, and there is that thing that the, yeah these are be, these towns are being uh, reawakened because and that's only possible because of what the court of the courts put into them. You know, it, yeah. it, it it's a bit more like you know the zombies that are being controlled. Um, and the fact of it is, is that these these towns have been reawoken, and the last thing they remember is being retired, yeah. being out of service. You know, be, basically being having it decided for them that they were going to die, even though it's a weird non-death that they kind of go through. Mm-hmm. It, it's still very much that you know, in in their mindset, that group of people essentially turned their back on them. Yeah. So you know, the, and they've been reawoken, and they're sort of being controlled, and you know, because they're the Walking Dead type aspect to, to what they are, so they kind of have to go along with with the plan because the Court of Owls could just as easily pull the plug and you know freeze them all again, and and, and then they'd be dead type yeah. thing. So kind of going along with what Dane said, though, I'm glad that most of them are kind of mindless drones. But yeah, every once in yeah, a exactly. while, one or two of them can overpower it. Because yeah. then it would really weaken, like, then what's the point? The Court of Owls yeah. aren't really that formidable if, you know, half of them are just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I yeah, don't really yeah. care that much, man. <laughs> um, yeah. um, you know, so, uh, yeah. I also like the costume design for this town a lot. I thought it's one of the better ones. Um, I haven't really said anything yet, I realized. Uh, I, I kind of liked this issue. Um, I kind of, I guess, I fall more along with Tim. Uh, I wasn't quite as impressed with the backstory, just because I guess, kind of like with what PJ said, it was. I felt like it was maybe a little bit too much, um, but I, I still enjoyed it, and I didn't. It didn't take away from it for me, um, and I liked that they brought Gordon into it. Uh, um, although I, I, one thing I also didn't like, I guess, now that I think about it, is I, I don't like that Gordon didn't seem to be trying to work around it, the whole issue. Like, he just kind of went along with it and was like, oh, d- don't worry about that, just, uh, you know, send out some more cops. Yeah, you know? he, he was kind of sitting down. Yeah, I, I don't like it. Like, I, I mean, granted, I don't know how they would have done it differently, but I, I, I wish they would have shown, given us some indication, in, except for the last minute, that he was trying to get in touch with uh, at least Barbara or Batman or whatever in some other way. You know, rather than just sitting there and taking it, you know, I yeah. feel like I feel like Gordon is kind of the more proactive, heroic, noble type guy where I feel like he wouldn't just take it sitting down and give up, you know. Yeah, we don't know how long that lasted, too, though. It could have been maybe a short amount of time where he realized, OK, that's screw, true. Screw them. I'm going to, to the I mean, this whole issue could have been like half an hour. You know, they could have just been like two or three things within 10 minutes that these bad guys were doing. And then eventually yeah. it was too much. But yeah. At least he didn't call yeah. Batman on his phone and leave a depressing message yeah. <laughs> about how he's not including him. <laughs> uh, G- uh, Gary's just reminded me of something then by, by saying, you know, just about the, the time frame. Um, have any of you been paying attention to the time? Because they they have put the time in. Yeah. It, all the issues. I've completely ignored it. Yeah, I see him uh, on there and I go, okay, then when I'm at, 
onto the yeah. next issue. I completely forgot <laughs> what the yeah. 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 Goes, Eight twenty-five on the night of owls. I'm like, great. <laughs> I don't know what that means with, with the rest of what's going on. But twenty-five, fine. <laughs> I wonder if there's a site. I mean, I'm sure there is some sort of fan thing on a message board or something where they they kind of list out what happens in what order. That would be interesting to see, but not enough that I'm actually going to look for it. But <laughs> Maybe when they put it together in a trade, they'll have them all in order yeah. how the time frame yeah. they took place. Oh, be, how cool would that be? Yeah, it, be. If, and if they actually kind of split the issues up a little bit, you know, in, interlink them, so you'd have like a scene with Damien and then split yeah. to a scene with, with Barbara. That'd be yeah. really cool. Kind of like, I, I don't have it, but like the, uh, the Sin City Blu-ray where they actually put it in order of the events rather than yeah, the order they yeah. would be followed. And you had, like, three different ways you could watch it. <laughs> like, you know, the order of the events, the order of the comics, the order of the film as it originally was, like that. You know. That would be kind of cool if they did stuff like that rather than just reprinting the issues in a book. Well, uh, can, can I bring up one more thing? Sure. Do you think that scene – I mean, what do you think Gail Simone is doing with that one scene where Barbara goes home and her roommate is gone when she was supposed to be there. Do you think they're doing anything with that? Or is that just, uh, yeah. um, I, I sort of assumed that was from a like a, a Batgirl plot thread rather than anything to do with the Night of Owls. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to think. Oh, because uh, didn't the last issue she met up, she met up with uh, James Gordon? Or James, uh, I can't even say his name. James <laughs> Gordon Jr. Didn't he meet her after? Like her work shift. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Ooh, yeah. That, ooh, that don't bode well for the roommate. <laughs> I, I didn't even think about it. To be honest, I didn't think into it at all. Next time you see her, she won't have a jaw. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all right. Um. So ratings, guys. Who wants to start off? I guess I'll go. I'll ahead. go first. Oh. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, say at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, oh, I'm. I want to say three, but I'm actually going to say two and a half. Needless, Tony Daniel characters out of five, based on all the plot holes that we've kind of brought up with it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go one more needless character up than you, PJ. I'm going to give it a full three and a half. Needless, Tony Daniel characters out of five. I really like the backstory of the talent, and I know you kind of said there was little. The flow of the issue is a little, I guess, inconsistent or cluttered or whatever, but I liked how you had the fight with Barbara and the talent and then the whole James Gordon thing. And the ending, like you guys said, I really thought was a great way to end it with that signal. So. The flow didn't bother me as much. I mean, I think maybe it would have been different if there was like a, I don't know, um, was it Gotham City? What was the, the book that they used to have that would deal more with the, the police side of it? Gotham Central. Yeah, Gotham Central. Like, if there was a book like that, that could have just dealt with Gordon, and then one book could have just dealt with uh, Barbara and the Talon side of it, maybe it would have... I don't know. Um, But it didn't bother me, because I felt like they were just trying to include a few different aspects of the story in one story. And And if you're going to do something with uh, Gordon, what better book to do it than Batgirl, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't old-school Red Robin, where it was just crazy jumping around and too hard to follow. You know, it was... It was, um, I felt like it was pretty cohesive. So, I mean, I think I'd give it a very solid three and a half leaning towards a four. Needless Tony Daniel characters out of five. I'm starting to feel bad now. <laughs> I'm not going to change, but, you know, I feel bad. 
I'm gonna give it two and a half. Needless yeah. characters Tony and Daniel has created. Split down the middle. <laughs> yeah, because like PJ said, this story was really rough, and yeah, it it was just really rough. So two and a half. All right. Uh, well, now I guess we're on to the next week, uh, May sixteenth, um, which we have a bunch of books. Uh, Let's see here. Red Hood and the Outlaws, 9. Nightwing, 9. Justice League, 9. Catwoman, 9. And Birds of Prey, 9. Um, Can I start with Birds of Prey? Yeah, go for it. Because, honestly, I really haven't been paying much attention to it. I was going to say, but... someone actually read an issue of Birds of Prey for a while. <laughs> and it was Dane? What's <laughs> 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 this But I do have to admit that I love this issue. Wow. I loved it. Uh, first off, the birds work really well together, and they really feel like a team, so um, my hat's off to Dwayne Swarzynski. Is that how you pronounce that? Yes. Um, <laughs> secondly, the town was very well designed. Uh, threatening. Uh, he just had that threatening feel to him. And, um, you know, seeing the talent through the bird's eyes is something that's, you know, something to be thankful for and which uh only the good books in this crossover have and you know that's the thing the birds are running away from the talent almost the entire issue and it wasn't until the end when they all work together that they finally found a way to take out that talent um which gives the impression that the talents are something to be reckoned with you know they're actually a threat and you know, the fight, which pretty much lasted the entire issue, was well drawn, drawn out without any filler or, uh, you know, any quick resolutions. Um, but more than anything, it was intense. It, it was a really intense fight. Like, they, they just could not stop this guy, this talent. And, it you know, it was riveting. And, I mean, yeah, the, the book does have its flaws, like, it you know, the off-panel scenes. And, you know, the fact that it's never quite stated who the talent is there to kill, but it's, you know, it's nice not to stick to a formula. And, um, you know, Swarzynski more than makes up for it with the big fight scene and having the talent come back no matter what the birds did. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the story overall was pretty good. It was frightening, action-packed, and, you know, actually kind of funny in some places, but... um more than anything, uh, Travel Form's art was absolutely amazing. Um, from the little I've seen of his work, this is a huge step forward. And, you know, the guy is the right fit with Swarzynski's writing, and he really knows how to choreograph intense and drawn-out fight scenes. Um, yeah, so overall, like I said, really, really like this issue and don't have a bad word to say about it. I... I even called my comic book sort of put the series back on my pull list. Wow! Just because of four minutes. That was going to be my question. I was going to ask if it, it was enough to so, make you pick it up again. Yeah, because I went into this issue and I was lost. Like I, I didn't know what came before. Okay, I'll have to check it out then. I, I haven't checked that one out yet. Yeah, same here. Of course you have it. <laughs> Anybody? No. <laughs> I think well, I read the first issue or maybe two, but it was just because, like, I was dedicated to trying to read the whole New 52. Um, yeah. And then I kind of stopped that, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, 
this is probably where I'll, I'll come in. First of all, I have to say, Dan, that was a really good review. You pretty much covered every every aspect. Um, yeah, I, I was wowed by this issue. <laughs> I didn't expect it to be this good, um, to be honest. For me, though, um, I'm still not sold. Um, I, you know, I kind of, it, it's weird because I've, everything you just said, I, I, I kind of agree with. And it's funny that having agreed with everything you said, <laughs> I, I still come out the other side and, and was pretty nonplussed by it. Um, I, I had to read the first issue of Birds of Prey, uh, as part of a review for the, the old site. Um, and I, I, and so the, and this was the only one I'd read since because I didn't, I didn't make it past the first one because I didn't I didn't connect with it and I I still I just I don't get those characters really and and what they're doing in in Gotham or with it with each other sort of thing it just it doesn't connect for me and so but, but let me just ask you this doesn't matter um, who these characters are in the context of the Night of Owls crossover? A little bit. It kind of does, because mm. for me, it's, it, it is that kind of... Uh, celebration sort of the wrong word, but it is that outreach to the characters of, of the Batman universe. That, yeah. you know, if you were going to break the DC universe down and just have Batman live in his own, own little world, these characters would still live in that world. And as entertaining as she is, because I know she's been one of the really big hits of the new 52, um, it, it almost annoys me that Starling is running around with a Walt 42 pistol in Gotham as, and, and is a hero. And it's, it's, it's a, for me, it's akin to Alfred having the bloody machine guns in the new Batman cartoon. It's just, you know, that, that I can't, I can't really get over that. And then, you know, you add, Katana with a sword that she talks to, fine, um, <laughs> but still a sword. Um, and I, I, I think they tried to sort of superheroify Black Canary a bit too much. I much preferred the older, more, you know, the older version of that character for me fit into the Gotham setting a lot better. Even, even with a super scream or whatever, but you know, bit of a brawler, a bit more nitty gritty. Yeah. Um, now she's like kind of, Super Commando. <laughs> um, you know, po- Poison Ivy wasn't, to, to be fair, wasn't in the first issue and wasn't really featured in, in, in this issue. Then you you add Batgirl to the mix, which again annoys me even more. The, the Batgirl being a much more inner circle Batman character it just is, is kind of you know, going along with, with what these other characters that annoy me are doing, which annoys me even more. <laughs> and then I, I kind of, I, I agree your comment that um, the fact that they don't mention at the start of the issue who the Talon was trying to kill is, you know, that that's them trying something different. And, and, and that I can agree with. It, it, was a, it was at least a nice change of pace to an issue that there wasn't too much exposition, but I mean, it would have taken literally a panel to set up who that talent was after. And for me, without that, it, it, it really doesn't tie into the, to the story at all. That talent could have been any threat of the character. And what you have is that I suppose if you like Birds of Prey, 
is, yeah, like you said, a very nice um, book where they kind of they have to come together as a team to defeat the the enemy that is a quite a big threat to them at the end. And, and the way they do that is very well with it. You know, they lock it in the thing and Poison Ivy goes in after. All those are good points. And, and the art was great, but I, I still have real issues with the concept of the birds of prey within Batman's Gotham. Um, so yeah, that, that's just unfortunately where me and birds of prey don't, don't really see eye to eye. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you guys rate it then? I'll um, give it a, do you want to go first, please? Uh, I, yeah, maybe I'll go first because then your, yeah. yours will probably be a lot nicer. For me, uh, two needless Tony Daniel characters out of five, which is really ironic because I think they're all needless. <laughs> I th- I th- it's almost like Tony Daniel's writing this book. <laughs> um, I would give it a four. Four, um, what is it? Needless characters Tony Daniel has created out of five. I just love this issue. I. Well, I mean, you I sold me on at checking this one out, Dane. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go download it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I think the way PJ was talking, that kind of summed up my points for the first issue, like why I didn't like it um, and why I probably never picked it up again after that. So I'm interested to see now if – you know, with a few more team members and a little bit more of an established team, um, you know, and this big event, maybe it'll uh, kind of win me over. So, um, all right. Uh, I guess I haven't read it, so uh, whoever wants to go first can go with Catwoman 9, if anybody's read it. Yeah, I have. And this crossover kind of fits in with a lot of the other Catwoman titles or books previously because it seems like, Every issue, some new character or villain comes in for a fight that has nothing to do with the overall plot. And it's kind of the same thing, where she just happens to bump in to a talent who was uh, sent to kill Penguin. And they were there to steal an antique knife that the Penguin had. But um, I did like the little bit of the background story for this talent, where he's kind of been one of the disgrace from the Court of Owls because he kind of killed too many people instead of just his target, and he he was also seen by people, and so he was disgraced by the court early on. And I like the designs that we got to see of how the Court of Owls looked in what the year was in 1665, where they had, like, these medieval, like, robes and stuff looked like old kings and stuff like that. Hmm. This looked, it looked cool with their owl mask on, too. And then the whole thing was that once the owl or the talon goes to assassinate Penguin, it turns out that... Um, the knife, the antique knife that the Penguin has, which Catwoman and her partner Spark are there to steal, it was actually one of the knives that that particular Talon um, used for his assassination, which got him disgraced, because he, act- he actually lost that weapon there. And then oh. I guess over the years, it became the Penguin's uh, in his possession. And so it kind of became this thing where the Talon sen- sensed that this was like part of his destiny for redemption, to get rid of the Penguin and also reclaim his uh, his weapon. But then the issue kind of ended, I thought, a little, I don't know, not abruptly, but not the way I guess I figured it ended. Because if she sort of makes a deal with Catwoman that he'll let her, her partner go spark if she gives him the rest of his weapons that he lost. 
And so he was going to make that deal with her, but then the penguin ends up shooting him in the head. <laughs> but then I guess it kind of got the impression that Catwoman didn't see that this guy was all that bad. So she does end up keeping a word where she wraps them all up, his body, but she then returns all his knives that he had and just leaves them there on the Gotham Police Department building next to the bag signal for one of the other Batman members to pick up. <laughs> so um, the only thing that I really enjoyed about it was, like I said, the talent's backstory. But the overall issue was kind of a typical I think, thing you would expect from the Catwoman books. So I probably scored two and a half needless characters that Tony Daniel has created. <laughs> it's so funny hearing that. Did you read this one, TJ? <laughs> I did indeed. Uh, this is really funny because I'm, I'm going to essentially do to Tim what I've just done today and feel even worse about it. Um, I, I love this book. Uh, this has been my favorite tie-in uh, with the Coat of Owls wow. so far. It was really interesting because I, d- I don't read Catwoman usually, although... I suppose it's maybe one of the ones that I don't read that I've paid more attention to because of all the controversy and, and you know, that kind of stuff. So I'm mm-hmm. vaguely aware of what has been going on. Um, but I just, yeah, I I really liked the, the balance that was played out in the story. I liked, the, I did like the Talon's backstory. Um, but, I mean, even that wasn't maybe too important. What I just liked was the, the relationship that was created between Catwoman and the Talon. That the, there was something more there than just oh the Talons are the bad guys in Gotham at the moment you have to fight them because you're in a Batman book you know that yeah. they really worked that in and, and played it and and it, it just it was a great way even more to sum up Catwoman as a character that she does go against the grain of not really being a full on villain not really being full on hero she's got that anti hero quality so. If there were any of the characters who would perhaps empathize with the Talon, um, it would be her. And, and then the whole idea of one of the characters actually empathizing with this supreme evil that we've been kind of indoctrinated to over, over the last issues, you know, across the, um, all the Batman titles, I, I just thought it was a great spin. Um, loved the twist ending with that real kind of calm moment where she said, she'd do what he wanted, and then Penguin just shoots the poor guy uh, in the head. Which, I I suppose that raises a bit of a question, and that's something maybe we can talk about at the end across all these books, is there has been a bit of an inconsistency with um, the Owl's regenerative... Regenerative... I can't even say the word. Regeneration abilities. (laughs) in, In the, you know, you can... Um, you decapitate one or shoot one's arms off and they kind of grow back, uh, or drop one off something. But if you shoot one in the head, in the head, he, he stays down kind of for the rest of the issue. Um, but then, you know, the, 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 as Tim said, the, the fact that she gave him all the knives and kind of wrapped him up and, and left him there anyway, just a really nice touching end. The only thing that disappointed me about this issue was having not bought any of the Catwoman issues at all so far. Um, but having seen all of their covers, um, I was kind of disappointed by the cover on this one because it didn't feature a female character looking shocked with the tiny eyes <laughs> so brilliantly. Um, so I finally, I finally buy one of his books and I'm, I'm robbed of my <laughs> startled view. Um, but other than that, no, this has been my favorite one so far. Well, that's interesting. I, I think 
I don't know if I even read the second issue. I think I did. But I haven't read much of Catwoman either, so I guess maybe I should check at least this one out, the tie-in. Yeah. Well, 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 PJ, you you bring up a good point, because Gillian March is back on this this book, and surprisingly, this issue wasn't as overly sexualized like March's previous issues, but there are certain moments where there's no way Selena could ever stay in that suit with all the flips and stuff she's doing with the zipper halfway down. I mean, yeah. Anyways, like I remember even I think I think I even said something like that or talked we talked about it at least in one of the uh the previous podcasts where like I think it was maybe the first or second issue where she literally had it like half on and her bra was hanging out and like like it yeah. would have easily like it wouldn't have stayed on. <laughs> it's it's you know, and she was literally like doing a backflip and being shot at, and and like crazy stuff with her suit not even half on, and yet it still stayed on somehow. I, I don't well, know. it's it, it's like you told us. Um, Gillian March used to do Playboy. Yeah. So <laughs> used to draw for Playboy. So and sexiness doesn't that. have to apply to the laws of physics. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> I mean, we're already suspending our disbelief to the point where, like, we believe that there's, like, you know, we can say, like, all right, Superman can fly around, you know. <laughs> why can't why can't a chick, you know, wear half a jumpsuit? And I don't know. Um, oh, did we get a rating from? Um, oh, sorry. Um, I'll give this one a high four and a half. Needless Tony Diamond characters out of five. Wow. Did you get yeah, sorry, Tim. <laughs> Do you give yours, Tim? Yeah, I, I give it a two and a half. Okay, right. Um, it's so funny how you forget about me. <laughs> you read it? Yeah. I just assumed I just, you didn't read it. I'm sorry. You can, I didn't forget about you. I thought you didn't read it. No, no, forget about it. We can just go on to the next book. You sure? Yeah, well, why don't you guys do um, Red Hood? Because I, I didn't read it. It, it. it was just one of those books where it's like, you get it on that Wednesday. And then you're like, okay, I've had enough comics. I'll read it tomorrow. And then tomorrow turns into today. <laughs> yeah, for Red, anyways. Yeah, Red Hood, I was, because I've stopped picking up this title for a while, last few issues. And then when the whole Night of Owls crossover was starting up again, I said, okay, I'll pick up the Red Hood just because I want to get all the Night of Owls crossover. Mm-hmm. But then I did the same thing with uh, Birds of Prey, what Danger said. That's the issue I forgot all about. <laughs> or it was even a tie into the Night of Owls. So I didn't read every crossover, but I did pick up one I wasn't planning on, which was Red Hood and the Outlaws. So what do you think? And, yeah, I'm not going to be going back to it after this issue anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't like the overall team dynamic of these three characters together. I mean, Jason Todd's still cool. So I just wish it was, he had his own book where he was just on his own. Yeah, I agree. He even yeah. makes the point of this issue where he says, you guys just tagged along for this particular thing I'm doing here in Gotham. And Whatever nice. he is, I don't know if he's Arsenal or Red Arrow or what he is now, he annoys the heck yeah, out of me in this book. Like, he's just, he's, they play him as like a nerdy teenager almost. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it seems weird. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't like, like the character. <laughs> The Simpsons with the, the squeaky voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's voice. pretty much it's pretty much what I picture. <laughs> now I'm gonna every time I read him now I'm gonna hear that voice. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. But I mean like uh Starfire doesn't bother me so much. 
I yeah, mean, but I she doesn't add anything either. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think she's great for the team aspect of it, but as a character herself, she doesn't bother me. But yeah, what Arsenalite is that? As he's going by now, I think it's called Roy. <laughs> Roy, uh, yeah. Whatever he's going by, I, I, I don't like him in that book at all. Like he, he kind of kills it for me, honestly. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, seeing Mr. Freeze back was pretty cool. I like the art in this issue, especially the design for Mr. Freeze, which makes yeah. me excited for uh, the Batman annual coming out. Oh, yeah. Which definitely. should be really good with Scott Snyder writing or doing his origin, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say the, the Mr. Freeze redesign, I thought it was just a bit too busy. It's, it's kind of like they tried to take all the technology of the Mr. Freeze costume from Arkham City and streamline it into the Mr. Freeze costume from the animated series. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like it though because I didn't like the Arkham City Mr. Freeze design costume. I think this one no, works better because it was too big and bulky. I like how it was more. Like, yeah, he was light. he was a turtle waiting to happen in Arkham City. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> now you can't get up. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I I I I don't know. Maybe it's just the iconic animated series one. I just like how simple that was. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but so, but you know, modern times and changing things. So I'll, I'll go with that for now. Um, I, I'd echo the sentiments you guys were saying, though. I'd much preferred this book to have just been a Jason book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, Starfire doesn't doesn't really add anything apart from eye candy. Yeah, and over the top superpowers type thing, uh, which again, you know, doesn't have too much of a place in in, in Batman's world. And it doesn't really even come into play all that much in this book. Yeah. Like, I mean, she has the powers, but she doesn't really do much. Yeah, she tries no. to blast Mr. Freeze a few times, but it doesn't really work. It's, it, and it's it's almost that cliched, we both have energy beams, and they're going to meet in the middle. And it makes for a great <laughs> splash page, but we've we've seen it done done to death. Um, so so the, the, the positives from the issue for me was I thought the ending with between Jason and Batgirl was, was fantastic and, and played yeah. perfect. Mm-hmm. As as was Jason's general demeanor of it kind of being the holiday. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll do bats a favor this this yeah. one time kind of thing. And you guys can tag along if you want. I don't really care because I'm Jason. <laughs> yeah, so, I do kind of w- wish though that we got more inside. It's more of the Talon's background in the Haley Circus. I mean, because we got yeah. the one in Batgirl, and we know Haley Circus is kind of the recruitment center for it. But it seems like yeah. this particular town was really uh, screwed over, it seems like. Because he's saying that he had no choice in anything. Yeah, and even what what they could have done even more so with, with having Jason knocking around in this is, you know, Jason's been a Gotham-based character and also a Robin um, who was replacing Dick Grayson and there's old Dick Grayson tying into the Talon thing. Mm-hmm. They could have done a lot with Jason's past and the, and the Court of Owls past. Mm-hmm. Um, with hopefully not offending you guys too much about changing the history, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know. But they could there could have at least been a nod to Jason's time as Robin at that point, which would have been quite nice, you know. Again, because where we're up to in this new Fifty Two sort of thing with this all having happened, we, we haven't we haven't seen the period where he was Robin, mm-hmm. um, and and they could have done it in this issue. Yeah, that's true. And it also goes back to what we were talking about, too, as far as the different talents, as far as, like, what level of control the actual court has over them. I mean, this one pretty easily decides just to do his own thing and have Jason kill him at the end. Yeah. yeah. Without much regret or much debate over it. I mean, he's, he just basically said, I want, this one time I want to say that what my life's going to be, and this is it. Yeah. 
I, I like the 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 little like quip where Jason when he when he sees Batgirl he's like nice legs. <laughs> it's like it's like basically like hey you're a cripple <laughs> you know like like kind of making fun of her but then also being kind of sexist at the same time like it's perfect like Jason Todd yeah um and he was definitely like if there is a reason to pick up this book and I'm not sure that there is but if there is it's Jason Todd yeah definitely um, but I think I think they really need to drop this one <laughs> or or do change, change it somehow yeah Let's call it red yeah. <laughs> no more yeah. red in the outlaws or have different outlaws in each book and get rid of Roy <laughs> yeah because they haven't been operating in Gotham too much I think in the whole series run I think yeah. what makes Jason even better to read is when you, you see him in Gotham doing his own form of justice which makes him in such opposition with all the other members of the Bat family yeah and, and I um I, I gotta kind of agree with PJ, although for different reasons. I don't like the gangly Mister Freeze look. Where I, I kind of like it when he has more of a armored look, not necessarily like Arnold, but you know, like just more than just. I, I don't like the the really thin, pale arms coming out in the middle and looking. I mean, I realize that he is gangly, but I feel like it takes away from the menacing quality of Mr. Freeze to me. I don't yeah. Know why. The, free, the freeze gun has also mm. become too integral to his arm for me. Yeah. You know, it, it's like one of those things that you ain't getting that thing off unless you break his arm. So, you know, just because of how it's connected. Yeah, mm. it's not a so, weapon. It's like, he's like Mega Man. So it's yeah. part of him. So you, you, well, I mean, we don't really know how many Mr. Freeze issues there are ever going to be, so it yeah. remains to be seen. But it's not one of you know, it's not like something you could knock out of his hand and, and anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what do you think of the Mohawk or the Freeze Hawk? Uh, it's actually not. I mean, I don't notice it. Too. It's not too like John where yeah. I, I notice it too much. Going, Ooh, like what is that? Yeah. But like if it was a total bad. like '80s punk rock Mohawk. I'd be like, no, but yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not like, like, like Tim said, if you, if you don't look at it too intensely, you might not even notice it, you know, yeah. it's not. And, uh, you know, you could sort of just say it's, it's the last remaining hair that stayed alive. Yeah. After, you know, yeah. after an old cold sort of thing. It's just, yeah. Um, Maybe they'll go I'm, into it in his origin in the Batman annual. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his struggles with hair. <laughs> His uh, his alopecia. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyways, our uh, ratings, fellas. What do you think? Yeah, I really wasn't too impressed with this one, so I'd give it a one and a half of needless Tony Daniel characters out of five. I mean, Jason's really the only thing worth reading about it. Yeah. Yeah. In the ending, like you guys said, his interaction with Batgirl. I think with that in mind, I think I'd only give it one star. <laughs> like, like one star. maybe That's not the yeah, or one. No, I'm sorry, one totally needless Tony Daniel character out of however million totally needless Tony Daniel characters there are. Um, no, but seriously, uh, one out of five needless Tony Daniel characters. Um, just because it, like, the the little interaction with with Babs at the end, and the few little cool moments we had with Jason Todd weren't enough to make me give it even more than one star. 
that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I kind of I want to agree with both of you, but you've picked different ratings. So <laughs> <laughs> can I go one and a quarter? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, one and one and an arm of a needless character. But I mean, we're all we're all pretty much in the same area, though. Like it was just kind of meh. Yeah. Like, like, and 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 like Tim said at the beginning, like it's. I'm definitely not going to be picking it up again. Yeah. You know, some of these books, you know, yeah. the tie-ins. I've since I'm revisiting them, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll go back and read some more of them, or maybe I'll pick up the next issue, but not not with this one. No, it's it's not worth the entry price if you're only going to get two moments of Jason being kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, or maybe one interaction with another Batman character that I care about per issue. Like, it's not worth it. Um, and and from what I gather, they don't really interact with other Bat Family characters much, do they? No. No, apart from the first few issues I've read. Yeah, so... Oh, sorry, dude. Yeah, and in, in terms of the series, no, not at all. Yeah, so... Uh, Nightwing 9. Now, this one would be my favorite of the Night of Owls crossover. Yeah, the, what, once I'd said Catwoman was mine, I immediately remembered <laughs> that it was still there, and, and I'll give a really lame excuse that... I don't see this as an actual tie-in. I, you know, I see what Higgins and um, Snapper have done, and like, you, you know, it's two parts of the same story. Yeah, that's true. Especially uh, how um, the last one ended. Yeah, so that's that's my lame-ass excuse for not considering <laughs> it. <laughs> Carry on, Tim. <laughs> but yeah, this one definitely has the best uh, backstory to the talent, especially how it ties in with Dick. I mean, yeah. especially with the last issue too, where we have that cliffhanger ending of Dick getting stabbed with all those knives. Those, I guess you just kind of assume that he has really strong armor and it didn't kill him, but I was kind of expecting maybe something where there was an explanation of how he actually survived, because those were like pretty bad and were pretty deep wounds. But he just kind of shrugs them off. I mean, he was definitely wounded by him, which affected his fighting, but... Yeah. But the overall, like I said, the backstory of uh, William Cobb and how he was trying to marry... Uh, Forget that guy's name, but his daughter, I think, was it Crown? Yeah. Okay. T- T- Thomas Crown? No, that's a film. <laughs> Burton Crown, that's what it was. Yeah, so it was how he was forbidden to marry his daughter because even though he kind of, he was a street kid with no money, but then he was taken into the circus. But the highly, I guess, social life of Gotham still viewed him as a no good street kid with no money, and so they didn't want him associated with his family. Yeah. And we get the reveal where. Um, he they have a child together, but then she doesn't. They kind of keep it a secret where she ends up marrying her second cousin, and they act like it's their child, not his. Yeah, because that's better. Yeah, right. <laughs> but this, yeah, then the whole we got the whole thing that I like best about it was kind of his taunting of Dick, saying how like, you're pretty much on the wrong side with Batman, and how you blew your chance to be like my heir as part of the Talons and. Yeah, Port of Owls. I just like that whole aspect of him taunting him with how he made the wrong choice. But we know, of course, the choice he did make being with Batman is always better. Yeah. And kind of the classic um, villain echoing the hero kind of, yeah. but a little warped. You know, yeah. where like, you know, of course, uh, it's it's been coming out now. But, uh, you know, of course, Dick has his past where he was kind of a street kid that was taken in by the circus and has gone on to do good things, with, great things with it, you know, um, except he kind of went the other way, 
Yeah, the which wrong is, team. <laughs> you know, it's a really cool mirror image, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I can't, almost to the point where I sort of hope um, William Cobb sticks around. You, yeah. You know, not... Be redeemed, kind of? Uh, no, no, sticks around as an antagonist character. Yeah, I agree with he, you. He would make the perfect villain for Nightwing. Yeah. yeah. Because he, like, like you say, Gary, he is Nightwing, but if Nightwing went bad... Yeah. Um, so I, I think that, you know, they've got something there. Um, let's just hope that, yeah, you know, for, for whatever the conclusion of the overall story is, um, at some point, cause, you know, I don't want to see it next month type thing in the next yeah. arc, but let's hope that, that he returns, yeah, in the Nightwing story. That's an interesting point. Like, what if some of these people stick around? You know, some of the oh, more I think, prominent I of the elves. Yeah, you know. I think the, um, potential for the use of the Court of Owls going forward is is kind of really exciting because, it's, you know, it's not... It isn't a case of we've just created one really cool new character. Like, you know, Hush springs to mind in, in that sense that, you know, then got used and, and, and used again in different ways. Mm-hmm. But with the Court, you can, you know, going forward, writers and, and artists and stuff, they'll all be able to put their own spin on it mm-hmm. because, you know, regardless of how this finishes up, there will always be ways to kind of revive it and, and, you know, probably never in as, as big a scale as what Snyder's done, but you can certainly revive the odd talon or the odd cut of our mask wearing member. Yeah. yeah. I bet um, it's going to end, it's going to end where you think Batman got rid of them all and the court's destroyed, but on the very last page, there's going to be some hint that tells you they're not you just totally see the eyes. gone. Yeah. The eyes will come back on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only thing, the only thing I thought was kind of lame in this issue, was I thought it was cool how uh, William Cobb ends up taking back his son, kidnapping him, and then giving him to Haley Circus. But then the where they get the name Grayson comes from, yes. Grace, where he goes, yeah, this is the Gray son of Gotham. I thought that was a little cheesy. <laughs> you didn't really have to yeah. go that far to explain where they got their name. It reminds me of that stupid little line they put in the. Wolverine Origins movie or whatever that explained why he was called Wolverine. Yeah, that lame story. Like it's like some stupid poem that his yeah. girlfriend read that yeah. like like it's like really like it's such a lame explanation that really isn't necessary at all. Yeah. I actually I actually enjoyed that slice of cheese, I have to say. <laughs> um that I don't know, I, I cuz cuz I was enjoying the the whole Cobb story. But there the was the really big part of it as, well, where the hell did that last name come from? <laughs> like, you know, why, why are none of these, why have none of these people yet been called Grayson? Uh, and so, yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to deny that for one second it wasn't cheesy and wasn't a little bit convenient of, oh, well, let's do it like this. Um, but I also, I don't know, I, I like, I like the payoff like that. And I think, because yeah. again, you know, the, Dick's family and, and, and which is now all being explored and but his ancestry it, you know it's never really been touched at all um, and I still I, I don't know if they're going to touch on it or not but I can't wait to see if they you know John and Mary Grayson come into it at all like obviously you know through flashbacks I'm not expecting them to rise oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> yeah like maybe they were prepared to have Dick go to the Court of Owls beforehand. Well, yeah. Right? Like, you know, and were they on board with that, or would they even know about it? Yeah, because but the other thing that I would I, I would be on board with is there's never been a precedent that Dick's parents 
were good people. That's true. Yeah. You know, Dick Dick becomes Robin and becomes you know the, the the person he is because Bruce takes him in and of of how good a person Bruce is. Now, I'm not saying they weren't good parents to Dick, you know, but there's a difference that you could you could be the best parents in the world to your kid, but you could still be you know crazy owl murdering psychopaths type thing. But even well, going as far as to say is the general, oh, sorry. I was just going to say the whole overall change to Dick's past, I, I really like. I think it just adds so much to his character. Yeah, that has never been added before. Yeah. So, it, you, you know, it doesn't, because I could sort of see, whereas we know that, essentially, that Thomas and Martha Wayne were good people, you know, they were philanthropists, and that is sort of, you know, what inspires Bruce in his journey. Um, but there's never been that, with Dick's parents, there's never been this thing that, you know, that other than being a great, great parents to him, yeah. they were, you know, act, they, they were circus performers. They weren't doing anything to help the community other than putting on a decent show. <laughs> um, so, you know, we don't, you're not as tied to them being perfect people as you kind of are with Bruce and his parents. There, there always sort of has to be that bit that um, he, he is inspired by how great his parents were. Yeah. Uh, what did you think overall, though, Dean? I really like this issue, uh, especially the the William Cobb thing and his backstory. Mm-hmm. You know, we get the conclusion to his story and how he became a talent, and I think it's just perfectly executed by Higgins. And, um, you know, it kept me interested and really didn't slow down the story at all, like some of the other Native Owls issues did with their backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the... It was the perfect complement to to the current day story with Nightwing. Yeah. And I really liked how Higgins connects Cobb's story and the lesson that he's trying to teach the dick with what's going on in the present day. So I thought that was a real nice arc and just perfectly executed issue. And, um, and Eddie Barrow's art was, I think, his best showing. Um, yeah, especially with great. the splash page in the beginning and the unique kind of panel layouts. The I love the stuff in the snow, too. With yeah, the, like, the yeah. white specks all over them. Like, it almost looked like stars. Anyways, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> I just put fake available a page and through it again. No, uh, I was just going to say that Eddie Barrows kind of takes a, a lesson from J.H. Williams and how he lays out his panels. And I just thought that was really, really well done. So, yeah, I'd, next to Batman, uh, Snyder's Batman, I think um, Nightwing is a very close second. And, and so I'm, I'm going to give this four and a half out of five unnecessary Tony Daniel uh, uh, <laughs> characters. I think, I think I'd go even a step further. I think I'd give it a five out of five needless Tony Daniel characters. Um, although I think... Although we've all kind of touched on it a little bit, I don't think it's really been totally said. I think what makes this such a strong tie-in is because more than any of the other tie-ins, uh, it's been building into it, and it kind of organically came from Dick's current ongoing arc, rather yeah. than just being, you know, the fight of the week with the Talon, you know? Um and it tied into his own history and his past in a way that none of the rest of them really did. Um, there, there's been connections here and there, but, you know, this was definitely the strongest, I felt. 
Yeah, and the other thing, too, about um, all of these Night of Owls stories is, and especially in Nightwing, um, where Dick carried up, carried the talent out of the subway station, mm-hmm. what are they doing with these owls? I mean, there, there's a bunch of owl uh, talons at... Um, They're leaving them on the roof of the police station. <laughs> I know, they're just piling them up there. <laughs> yeah, I know, I mean... What are they doing with all of these talents? Yeah, that's a good All point. these bodies. Well, I have a feeling Dick's going to do something different with William Cobb. Maybe put him back in the Batcave or somewhere. Bruce had him. Yeah, and how 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 did um, William Cobb hear what was going on between Dick and Bruce when he was? Yeah, dead? he just yeah he just said he was still able. I guess that's part of their. I guess yeah. their stasis, when they're in that state, they're able to, I guess, hear, but they just can't move or do anything. Well, I mean, they say, like, people in a coma sometimes can be somewhat cognizant or, or retain some of the things that are said around them. Or yeah, they, but he was you know, dead. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, it's probably just an extension of that type of thing. Oh, that's... <laughs> you know, like part magic. of whatever's in their teeth that they put in there. <laughs> <laughs> and in the water that's in that fountain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm right there with you, Gary. I think I actually probably enjoyed it a little bit better than uh, Batman number nine. I think I'll give it five unnecessary Tony Daniel characters. I mean, no, despite my one complaint about the Grayson name, I thought it was a, almost a perfect issue. So yeah, definitely five. Yeah, I'm in in lieu of me. I'm I'm thinking it's it's almost a perfect issue. I you know I can't say that many bad things about it. I, I suppose overall, it just it didn't get me over the finish line to a five. So I'll give it a four and a half needless Tony Daniel characters out of five. I love that we're sticking with this and remembering to say needless Tony Daniel characters all the time. <laughs> Once you say it a few times, it just rolls right up the top. Yeah, it's like that's that's the like what what are stars? Who, who uses that? <laughs> um, so I guess we're on to the last one, the the big team up book, Justice League number nine. The oh, one non uh, I I unfortunately did not read this book. Womp womp. Uh, did both of you read this? Um, I did. I did, yep. Who wants to start? Uh, do you, well, actually, do you want to start, Gary? Because I'm not sure if you've started one yet. Actually, you know what? I don't know if I have. I've been kind of, like, leading. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, well, honestly, for me, I was kind of lost because I haven't been reading them. Gary! Um, <laughs> well, look, I told you that. It was full disclosure. Um... Uh, all I know is I start off, I see this guy reading Justice League comic books, and, um... It's actually yeah, a novel, I, though, I think. Oh, is it? Yeah. I, I, didn't, I, mean, I figured maybe it was a graphic novel. And then, you know, yeah, I only... It, read... is, it, is that the novel that the guy was writing in? Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. the same guy. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. And then I, I hadn't even... I mean, I know who... Trevor is, but I hadn't been introduced to him in the New 52 yet. Well, um, well, if you'd read the issues, you would have. <laughs> no, I know. I understand that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's the comic's fault. I'm saying I'm just saying it's you know, just going through it again. Some of the things that I didn't totally get. Um, but I, I love once it gets into it with a, uh, you know, Batman calling in Superman and Cyborg to help him. Yeah. And and I love the line where Batman's like, "Oh, I brought a map," and then Cyborg <laughs> pops up. It's yeah. like like it's almost like he doesn't think of the, them as teammates; they're tools to him, you know. And I love that kind of 
Yeah, ex- that kind of moment there. I agree with you, except I think this relationship is a little different with Superman. To me, he, he views Superman as a as a friend or a buddy type thing on certain occasions, because the way he let him know where he just texted him saying, got lunch plans. In the immediate oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that he feels that way about everybody, but I, I just in general with that yeah. kind of idea with Cyborg, like how sometimes he utilizes them more as weapons or as, you know, like he needs this specific power set yeah. for this specific mission rather than, you know, oh, it's my teammates, so of course I'm going to tell <laughs> them, you know. Um, and and I'm, I'm even though I hadn't seen the beginning of it, I'm kind of digging the um, – kind of Trevor crisis thing where, yeah. you know, everybody's picking on him. It, it felt almost to me kind of like uh, Aquaman in issue one. Like, how do you like, how do you feel being the most yeah. <laughs> disliked superhero of all time? You know, like he's kind of like, he's, he's an important person in the way that the league is set up, but yet they're all, everybody knocks him all the time. Um, and the Flash and Green Lantern stuff was pretty fun and Flash couldn't yeah. pull off bad cop at all. <laughs> he's just like, well, I'm, I'm going to get, angry with you and you're not going to like it. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, and it was fun for me because I only read the first like two issues of Justice League. So it was fun to see the team all together now um, and just not facing a huge galactic threat, just kind of their normal um, day in, day out working together with, you know, normal crime kind of things almost, you know, um, I mean, kind of as normal as it can be for Justice yeah. League type stuff. <laughs> but, you know, just kind of like, I, I like the idea of being inserted into a regular day in their life rather than a crazy mission. Um, I thought that was kind of fun. And, and I am interested in reading Justice League. They're they're definitely on my my pile. Um, and then, you know, you have the Steve Trevor stuff at the end. But anyways, I kind of just recapped the book. <laughs> um, but I, I really, I enjoyed it. Um and it was fun for me because I hadn't read the rest of them, although it was a little disconcerting at times. Uh, I did like the team aspect of it. And I'm kind of interested to see what you guys think of it, having read all the rest of them in between. Yeah, I enjoyed this one better than the previous two because the previous two kind of felt like filler issues mm-hmm. to get after the whole apocalypse and their origin arc. But now it seems like we're finally getting into the their next big arc that they're going to have. I enjoyed how it looks like it's going to tie into that person who was writing that Justice League book, who was there firsthand to see them defeat Darkseid, but now he's going, he's turning into a villain, going crazy because he's terminally ill, and he's pretty much saying how the Justice League weren't there to help him now, with all, even with all their power, mm-hmm. and he just looks to go insane and just wants to get every information he can from these different villains to try to bring them down. So I like where the story's going with that, and like you said, Jerry, just the dialogue and interaction between the team members was great. Like you said, yeah. the Green Lantern Flash section was great. <laughs> it's a short little spot. Yeah. And I love how Green Lantern's like, oh, man, now we have to call her in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. And this, the art was, as usual, great by Jim Lee. He, I don't think oh, he'd yeah. done the last two issues. And okay. see, having a back on it was great, especially that one page where Superman enters Arkham and you With see that. vision? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that was They're really taking cool. all those inmates. That was awesome. Yeah. What about you, PJ? Um, yeah, this will probably sound really funny because of all the things I was bringing up about it being essentially like the Avengers before. <laughs> um, but that isn't to say that I actually really enjoy Justice League as a series. Um, I think it's a great linchpin of the New 52. I think it works perfectly as, as that cent- central focal point. 
I think they've handled the transition from that first story arc, which was the five years in the past one, and to how it actually really has an effect on on the new story arc and then you know the new villain that they're they're building up. Mm. Um, arc great, story tight. I agree with you, like you said. Nice to see them still being the Justice League, but not being the Justice League against the Ultimate Threat this week. You know, mm. it was just in, in little little uh, forms. Um, and and to mention as well, um, um, the backup. Yeah. Um, the whole, uh, which yeah. is kicking off the whole um, bringing what is now Shazam, formerly Captain Marvel, um, in into the new Fifty Two. And I suppose it, 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 it's a real interesting thing, and that's what I'm really excited about for this title. But in brackets, wouldn't really work in the movie world. Close brackets. <laughs> is that um, John seems to be, you know, they're really going for the um, magic being a concept within mm. within this world, you know, and they're, and they're doing that by introducing Shazam. Um, you know, they've got, did, um, did, ah, did very quickly, um, did anyone pick up the 52 um, free comic book day issue? Uh, I didn't get to, no. I went ah. to my comic book store late on that yeah. day, and they were gone. <laughs> um, but, um, because if you get chance to kind of read a summary of the story, the the, the Justice League-based story, which is about Pandora. Yeah, because it seemed like a pretty essential to read to kind yeah, of figure out what's going on. Really, 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 really is because and and what's weird is I read I read that one and then reread the first backup, which was the backup that was all about Pandora. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and chronologically, I'd say that, you know, very much so the new 52 book happens first, and then that backup that was in Justice League almost happens immediately after. So, so much more of what they talk about in that backup makes a lot more sense when you've read okay. 52. And it seems that's, you know, that started the build for the big next event, which is, I believe, called Trinity War. Yeah. Don't on that, or, or do if you're saying yes. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, and and so for me, as a more so than Batman or or any any of the other books I read, Justice League is the one that to me feels like like a TV show. Yeah. That you know that's that's laying the groundwork for all these plot points that are actually only going to pay off later on down the line when other stuffs happened. Um, so it's yeah, it's just a really exciting, exciting book, and it's great because it it, it does handle the balance of the characters well. Um, and the, I even like the Steve Trevor knockdown bits, even though he's just Nick Fury. <laughs> well, um, what would you? Uh, I guess we'll start with you, Tim. What would you rate Justice League then? I'm gonna give it four needless Tony Daniel characters out of five. Um, also, what made it really good for me too is I'm really enjoying the. Uh, backup of Shazam and Billy Batson. I really like what they're doing with this character. Not just being the goody two-shoe kid that we all kind of used to thought he was. Yeah, it's kind of a street punk. <laughs> yeah, but then in this issue, we finally see that he does have some good in him where he stops those bullies from picking on his uh, stepbrother and stepsister. Yeah. So we, we do kind of see that hints that he is, has some good inside, which I guess will make him worthy of the power of Shazam. So you put that in with the Justice League story, which is setting up to be a pretty cool arc. So, four out of five. PJ, my man, what do you think? Um, I'll I'll push the bat on this one and give it five needless Tony Daniel characters out of wow. five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
if I could, of, of all the two weeks, this is probably is the one that, yeah, on its own worked for me the most. Well, see, I'm going to give it 400 needless Tony Daniel characters out of 500 needless Tony Daniel characters, which equates to four out of five, but there's there's several hundred needless Tony Daniel characters. Um, Most of them without faces. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So, honestly, I think I would give it more, but my only issue with it right now is I don't understand because I haven't read all of it. So, once I go back and read it... Why haven't you read Justice League? <laughs> I know, I mean, right? That was the biggest book when this new 52... I mean, it's, it, honestly, it's it's just been bad for me. <laughs> like, I haven't I haven't even read... You know, I'm a big Superman fan, too. I haven't read any of oh, those. God. Hey, shut up. I'm not talking about him at that. I'm just saying I haven't even read well, them. Well, speaking for some of lies about him, Gary, you're not missing too much on the Superman. Yeah. <laughs> action comics, which had a few misses. So. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I still... I would have liked to have read them. And, uh, and, you know, in, in Justice League and Batman, like, I haven't read any of the books. I finally caught, uh, you know, was able to read the ones for this week. Um, and speaking of which, uh, we were going to talk about the digital ones, but I'm going to drop that because it's been a little long. Because um, we, we had a lot to talk about this week. Um, but, and, uh, you know, PJ hasn't read them. So, uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them next time uh, or some other time maybe. But I'll let it just suffice to say I really like them. I've been catching up on the digital issues, and I think they're pretty cool. So um, hopefully at some point we'll get to talk about those. Um, and I guess with that, that's it for the Batfans podcast this week. You can check out our host site, The Batman Universe, at thebatmanuniverse.net. And they also have a Facebook page, which is uh, Facebook slash The Batman Universe, or Twitter at, at The Batman Universe. Um, our outro music will, as always, be Beautiful End by our friend Spangler. And you can find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Band. Um, and uh, I guess that's it for us this week, guys. Uh, that's bye for me. See everyone. And just to point out, we are now officially under two months away from the Dark Knight Rises, so it's that much closer. Countdown. <laughs> awesome. Uh, it was great to say hello to everyone, and I hope you don't mind me tagging along on this little podcast journey. Uh, and bye for me. Bye, everybody. See ya. <laughs> like a cement, yeah, me too. Her skin.